right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. We don't got time for that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. Hey. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving break. It was uh, relaxing. It was a lot of food. It was a lot of football, a lot of sports going on. That was cool. (laughs) Cool. I always enjoy Thanksgiving. The only problem with coming off of Thanksgiving is I'm just like, I I don't want to, I don't know. It's just like. What's your problem? Once I get done with Thanksgiving, I'm just ready for it to be Christmas, like right away. I guess is is the best way of putting it. Okay, I'm just ready to transition quickly. I'm so not, you don't you, you don't know. like this this uh, span, which there's there's no there's nothing. No, no, and then like we don't get a KU football game this week. You know that is sad. Unfortunate. Yeah, no, that is right? sad. Uh, but anyway, we're brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery on today's show, as we always are. We're going to talk plenty of KU Cincinnati Jayhawks dominate their game against the Bearcats. Uh, we're going to get to our hit of the week. We got some KU women's volleyball, KU women's basketball stuff. We got our Maui Invitational from KU men's basketball takeaways, Case of the Mondays, Chiefs, NFL Monday overreactions, uh, some KU football, KU basketball audio. Plenty coming at you here on today's edition of RCST. So uh, KU dominates Cincinnati 49 to 16. And it's weird. Like, clearly the scoreboard and how the game felt the entire way, really, after the first quarter was. To me, pretty clear that it felt like KU dominated the game. Yeah. But you look up at the, I, I don't know if I, I went back and rewatched the game this morning. It was 28 to 16, like at the end of the third quarter. Like they were in the game, you know? Yeah. It was 3 nothing them at the end of the first quarter. But yeah, it was really, just like uh, just a quick succession of stop, score, stop, score in a matter of a few minutes that quickly turned the game into a blowout. Some of the things that have popped up for KU on the road earlier in the season did pop up again against Cincinnati. Most notably, what you alluded to, the slow start, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, KU looked pretty not plugged in to start the game on either side of the ball. Uh, Cincinnati was able to move the ball pretty effectively on their first couple drives. The KU offense didn't really do a whole lot, and as you said, Cincinnati had the lead at the end of the first quarter, and it was clear that Cincinnati's game plan was two clock and uh, try to you know shorten the game and give themselves the best chance to win and it was working for them early in the game the difference is b- between KU's slow start against Cincinnati and, and against other teams is Cincinnati just wasn't good enough to really fully capitalize on that right, right? like Oklahoma State you know slow start for Kansas and Oklahoma State's up 14 nothing slow start for KU in the game against Cincinnati and they're just not really good enough to they weren't really good enough to to really fully take advantage of that and then once KU fl- turned it on from the second quarter onwards, they were really the better team, and they looked like the better team in all phases of the game. They were really, really solid. Jason Bean had uh, maybe his best game. Devin Neal was was making some nice plays. The defense stepped up, and uh, the rest was history. So, yeah, great win for Kansas uh, against the worst team in the Big 12. Well, one of the worst, I mean, between them and Baylor, I guess, maybe. Yeah. Uh, pretty close to being at the bottom. And so this is what you want to see. This is what you want to see from a team that is one of the top five teams in the conference. 
is you go on the road against the worst team in the Big 12, one of the worst teams in the Big 12, and you take care of business and you do it easily. A great win for KU. Snaps a two-game losing streak. And now you go into the bowl game feeling really, really confident about yourselves. You know, I mean, you go back to the game, to the bowl game against Arkansas last season. Remember, KU had lost six of the last seven games going into that bowl game against Arkansas. But that was different because it was, I think there was just so much general excitement about the fact that you were even in a bowl game that it kind of washed that away a little bit, so to speak. But here, getting a win to end the season, it's always a big positive, always a big way to finish the season. And on top of that, now you can go into the bowl game, go into the selection, the bowl selection next week, this weekend, feeling good, and then wherever you go, you feel like you're you're in pretty good shape. Yes, you do, and you have not won eight games a lot very often in uh, KU football history. You have a chance to win nine now, which has only happened a handful of times here. By the way, this is a complete side note, but um, I, I I am just appalled that West Virginia is six and three in Big Twelve play. So I went and looked <laughs> at their schedule. They played nobody. If 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 Kansas played this schedule in Big Twelve play, they might be they might only have one loss right now. So this this was West Virginia's Big Twelve schedule. Versus Texas Tech, so they got Texas Tech at home. Now, in theory, you could say, oh, but West Virginia won that game and and Kansas lost that game. Um, but yeah, by bringing in a third string freshman quarterback. Week four was the game Tyler Shuck got hurt. Baron Morton comes in, so it's a bit different. And yeah, by week four, Kansas was still playing. Um, Jalen Daniels, right? Uh, is that the yes. last week of Jalen Daniels? Yeah, I yeah, think it was. The last game of Daniels. I think they beat Texas Tech if that's their schedule. Then you have at TCU, win. At Houston, win. Like, Houston's 4-8, and eight, TCU's 5-7. and seven. Uh, Oklahoma State at home, yeah, they lost at Oklahoma State and Stillwater. If they play them in Lawrence, I think they win. At UCF, crushed UCF at home. Maybe it's a little closer, but you still win on the road. Versus BYU at home. Okay, we saw that. They won. <laughs> at Oklahoma, maybe if it's in Norman, you end up losing the game instead of winning it. Uh, so maybe there's the one loss. Versus Cincinnati, win. And then at Baylor, win. If Kansas has West Virginia's schedule, they are probably 8-1 and one in Big 12 play. That is yeah, insane. A lot was That made, schedule is stupid. A That's lot, so bad. A lot was made of Oklahoma State's relatively easy schedule. That is horrendous. West Virginia, West Virginia got it pretty easy as well. And listen, Neil Brown needed it. I mean, that was a dude that was should have been fired last season, probably. And instead, now West Virginia is going to probably keep him around. Certainly, after a season that after this season, they're going to get like a tougher schedule next year, and things are not going to go well. Um, they're going to go like <laughs> five and seven or six and six, and it's just going to be because the schedule was like more normal. Maybe I, I don't know. Maybe yeah, very possible. Anyway, uh, Ku uh, more about their their domination. They they just did everything well. I mean, I mean, they ran the ball for three hundred yards, which. Is crazy that Devin Neal only had ten carries. That's all it took for him to get 106 yards. Well, listen, these are the types of games where you want to see that, right? I mean, you're playing against an inferior opponent. Why, you know, ram your head into a wall 25 times with Devin Neal if you don't need to, right? Yeah, and it's crazy that he has 1,200 rushing yards given the out of lack of of carries. I guess you could say. Um, He's definitely reached that status of no matter how many times he gets the ball after the game, you can always make the argument of like, well, you should have given Devin Neal the ball more. Right. Like, okay, John Cornish, who had 1,457 rushing yards in 2006, it took him 250 carries. Devin Neal is at 1,209 on 183. So 70 <laughs> less carries for 200 less yards. Yeah. Um, Devin Neal has, has had a remarkably great season. Like, We'll see if he plays in the bowl game and, and all that stuff that happens from there. So he'll have a chance to possibly add some more yards to it. 
there's a good chance, though, that he's not going to end up with one of the, you know, three best individual rushing yard seasons that a K running back has had. But you could make the argument that this is about as good as it gets when I mean, you look at the efficiency. And, I mean, just overall, again, Kansas 312 rushing yards. It was everyone. Devin Neal, Jason Bean at 90, McDuffie at 47, Highshod 25, you and your guy, Savion Morrison at 21. Savion! Yeah, Tory Lachlan at the 19-yard hey, run. those were there. tough 21 yards, by the way. It did. He powered 21. for it. He had the one 16-yard run. So, uh, it, it's really everyone. But Devin Neal, I, it has been such a pleasure watching him. I don't know the status. There's going to be some NFL decisions guys have to make. Melo Dotson, Kobe Bryant, Devin Neal, Austin Booker. Guys are going to have to make decisions so they come back for another year that they go to the NFL draft. Now, I don't know that the NFL draft stock on any of those guys is seen as a, a day one or day two pick, but maybe they feel like, hey, it could be a day three pick, work my way up from there. Who knows? The question then becomes, if any of those players, if any player decides, do I want to go pro do they then sit out the bowl game? And so from that notion, if this was the final time that that we saw Devin Neal or Kobe Bryant, again, I don't I don't know that that's going to be the case. Maybe we see both for the bowl game. Maybe both come back for another year. Who knows? That is a heck of a finish for both guys if it is. Yeah. 10 for 106 and two touchdowns for Devin. Number and two the insane play interception by Kobe Bryant. Sports Center. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, really impressive stuff. And, and, and you're right. Those guys will have a decision to make. And listen – these are good problems to have when you are in the college football. Like it's it's good to be like, oh boy, you know, these guys might leave to go to the NFL instead of you know finishing out their career in college. Like that's a that's a good problem to have, mm-hmm. right? That means you're doing something right. If you got guys that are playing at a high enough level to where they have a chance to go, you know, play at a professional level and 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 you know make a lot of money at the professional level, that is a good problem to have. You are doing something right <laughs> if that if you have multiple guys. That at the end of the year you have to say, well, you know, that guy could, you know, he could go ahead and leave and go to the NFL. Those are good problems to have. Obviously, from the Kate perspective, you'd love to have those guys back, right? When you think about Devin Neal, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, he has the chance if he does come back to to go down as the greatest running back in KU history, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I think right now, certainly this this season that he had this year, the greatest season probably in modern KU history, right? I mean, in the last 10 to 15 years. Basically, yeah, when you add efficiency and everything, sure. I mean, it's it's one of those things with Gail Sayers where he is... I, I was actually talking to David Lawrence about this today uh, before one of the, the media veils that we had today. And uh, Gail Sayers is basically the Wilt Chamberlain. Like, it's, it's hard to surpass what that guy did and how incredible he was both at the collegiate and NFL level. Yeah. And with Gail Sayers, like, when you look at the total stats at the end of the day, it doesn't jump off the page because it's like, oh, it's like 900 rushing yards, but they played like 10 games, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's well, just different. And um, also, uh, I, they didn't count bowl stats for their stats for a yeah. long time, I think. Yeah, but like Gail Sayers, for instance, 412 career. Like, okay, I, I just made a big deal that uh, Devin Neal has... 183 carries for 1,200 yards. Gail Sayers, his sophomore season, again, that's the other thing. He didn't get to play as a freshman because there was a rule uh, against freshman playing. 158 carries, so what would that be? Like 35 less less, carries? uh, 25 less uh, for 1,125 yards. Like, that dude was a freak. (laughs) So, Gail Sayers, it's like, it's if you're starting the conversation of greatest running backs in KU history, it's basically impossible to beat (laughs) that guy. Um, But, like, yeah, modern era running backs, I think it's Devin Neal. Yeah. Yeah, and and again, if he comes back, he has a chance to go down as do it. probably yeah. the best uh, for, for KU. So there's a lot that he could come back for legacy-wise 
in terms of you look at KU's team for next season, and if you, if Jalen Daniels is back and fully healthy, plus you're in the new Big 12, no no Texas and no Oklahoma, like based off how this season has gone for KU, you could really start to dream up some really, really uh, fantastic possibilities for KU football next season if you have Jalen Daniels fully healthy, plus Devin Neal, plus the group of receivers, plus Kobe Bryant, Melo Dotson, some of the guys on the defense, Austin Booker back as well. So you could really, really start to dream up some really awesome stuff there. Uh, but at the end of the day, Devin Neal, he'll have to make that decision on his own, right? And I think I think KU fans will be very, very supportive of him regardless of what he chooses to do because – and also from the, K, from the program perspective for KU, if Devin Neal does ultimately decide to leave or if some of these guys do decide to leave, guys having success at the NFL level – that also only further serves to help you from a recruiting standpoint, from a you know bringing people new players into your program as well. Yeah, and and I wonder how much of this game sets you up for next season in terms of the preseason rankings. For instance, if if Kansas wins the bowl game now and you finish the season nine and four, there's probably going to be a decent chance they end up ranked in the final like AP poll. I don't know, maybe maybe not, but like there's a decent chance. Let's say you finish this year after winning a bowl game 9 and 4. Let's say you finish 23rd in the country. And then those guys decide to come back. Probably preseason top, top 15, top 20 at least. Next season, right? Yeah, top 15 maybe, yeah. That's pretty crazy. So, and again, you look at the new yeah. Big 12 with no Texas and no OU, I would I would expect that Utah probably would be Pick to win it. Yeah, they'll I probably would think. be the preseason pick. Arizona so, will be up there. Utah, Arizona. Mm-hmm. I guess you could throw Kansas State in there. Kansas State but will be up there. KU, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State probably State, up there. I guess. Oh, Gordon will be back for another year to yeah. torment defenses. I mean, that's probably your top five in the conference is Utah, right. Arizona. And we saw Kansas go toe to toe with K State and Oklahoma State and, and be in and situations that probably should have both games. Yes, right? yes. Especially losing with a third string in one of those games and the other game with the game that Jason Bean played and letting that one slip, away, mm-hmm. letting that one get away. Yeah. So, I mean, just all-around performance, man. Uh, they threw for whatever they wanted to, averaged 15 yards a throw. They ran nine yards per run. I mean, that's just unbelievable there. Um, yeah, it did feel like Cincinnati kind of threw in the towel in the second half. I mean, Jason Bean. Yeah. I mean, listen, I get it. If, if you're having a dude just run by you like that, that's got to be pretty demoralizing. Pretty demoralizing. <laughs> Defense was good, though, too. I mean, you hold Cincinnati to 16 points. They averaged 3.6 yards per throw. Like, that's... That, that's bad running numbers, and they, they average that throwing. That's that's crazy. So I mean, well, just we, all around game. We kind of mentioned this off air, off air before the show started briefly, but for I don't know why Cincinnati brought in their backup, that Lichtenberg guy. It killed I, all. I don't know why game. they did that because at that point in the game, I think it was still three nothing. Yeah, they were still in the lead. They bring him in first play, throws a, an interception to Kobe Bryant, and then he comes back out again for the next series, and they go three and out. Yeah, and it was like done. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing there. Like. Emory Jones is definitely not like an elite level quarterback, but he's got a lot of experience and he can do a lot of things, different things with his legs. And he's definitely the best quarterback to have on the roster by far. I mean, I, I mean, I, I haven't even watched Cincinnati really I that felt much. Bad and, for him because it's like it's senior day and you're getting pulled. Like I, yeah, understand I don't, I don't know. Cincinnati's a program. You're probably like, hey, this game doesn't really mean anything. We're not making a bowl game. Let's see what the young guy can do. But also. Yeah. Didn't give you a better chance at winning. Yeah, I just thought that was really dumb. Yeah, it seemed like know. every time Kansas needed a big momentum changing play, they got it. The first was that Kobe Bryant interception. Yep. They were down three nothing. Second quarter, that kind of gets you going. That sparked it. Then the very next play, you hit that deep ball to Luke Grimm, which was a great throw and catch. Um, when it was fourteen to ten, they score late in the first half, and it's like, oh, okay, we might have a game at halftime, right? And Kansas goes down and scores in, like, three plays. Jared Casey, squib kick return, uh, deep pass from Jason Bean to Lawrence Arnold, and then 
Mason Fairchild. Nobody is better at receiving blown coverages. <laughs> I don't know why Dude, Mason Fairchild. I'm pretty sure uh, a defense of blind guys could have covered that better than what Cincinnati did on that play. I don't know what went wrong what or how, how that yeah. could have gone that badly, but I think if you throw 11, 11 people blindfolded out there on the field to, to cover that, they yeah. would have done a better job. Yeah, so I mean, they, they just gave up there, and that was a big momentum-changing thing. After uh, Cincinnati makes it 28-16, to 16, it's like, okay, maybe they can make it this game. KU just easily scores. So, like, every time they needed a, a momentum-changing play, they they got it, and uh, how, how cool for Jason Bean, too, man. I mean, yeah. Yeah. for him to come back, for him to get the start back with it, um, it feels like, to me, not only has he been so important for you and played so well this year, it feels like he is playing his best ball. Yeah. Yeah, Which absolutely. I guess, in a way, you almost expect just the career arc and trajectory of players. There are two it or doesn't three, always happen that way. There are two or three games from this season alone, so in the last seven games, basically, where I walked away thinking, wow, that was maybe the best mm-hmm. Jason Means ever played. And that's happened like three times in three different games. Yeah. I mean, he, he was good passing, running the ball. You pointed this out to me before the show, 99.5 QBR. <laughs> Which basically what, what QBR measures, basically the, the ultimate bottom line on QBR is it's saying if your quarterback performs like this, your team wins this percentage of the games. Yeah. So with the way that Jason Bean played, your team wins 99.5% of the games, <laughs> which is incredible. And now on the season, his total QBR is up to like 82, which it's funny. None of KU's quarterbacks qualify for the Big 12 leaderboard, I guess you could say, because of... Uh, yeah, what what it's you told me once before. It's like it's like action play. Yeah, per which game. again, I, I don't know what defines that. I'm assuming action play is a run or a throw by the quarterback, but it's it's you have to have a minimum of 20 action plays per team game. Um, so he doesn't. None of the quarterbacks qualified. But if he did, yeah, uh, he would be second in the Big 12 in total QBR behind Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. In the country, he would be. Oh, I just lost the number. He would be in the top 15 of the country. His total QBI is 81.8. He would be uh, 12th, one spot behind Caleb Williams, two spots behind Michael Penix. Yeah. That's pretty He's, good. And he he was dominant in the game against Cincinnati with, with his legs. I mean, uh, like I said, to, have it, to watch a dude just run by you like that, that's got to be so demoralizing. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then to do it twice to him like that and – yeah, the, the pass defense for Cincinnati was really bad, and, and Jason Bean took advantage of it, made some great throws, and very, very impressive stuff, you know. And, and I think uh, Jason Bean is a guy that maybe after this season you start to think, is there a discussion for him to possibly make somebody's roster on the, at the NFL level or somewhere, right? I mean, either as a quarterback or receiver. I mean, he's shown, obviously, with his speed, and, and then what he's done from the quarterback position as well. Like, I, I would think that there's probably an NFL team out there that says, hey, you know, Let's 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 give yeah. this guy a chance. Uh, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this because we got about three four weeks before the bowl game. We don't know what the bowl game will be. We have plenty of time to talk about what will the bowl game be, which we will at some point this week. Um, but a very interesting the conversations over the next several weeks about who is the starting quarterback for the bowl game. If Jalen Daniels gets healthy over the next three four weeks, you give it to Jason Bean. You get to Jalen. I Harris. assume it's I assume it's going to be Jason Bean. That's, right. that's my assumption. As you say, one other thing I want plenty of time to discuss it. One thing I wanted to mention is. If you happen to be watching the ESPN broadcast, there was a lot of uh, chili talk. A lot of Skyline chili. <laughs> lot, lot of it. Yeah. Which, by the way, it just didn't. It just did not look very good to me. I think it looks fine. I mean, it's chili cheese and noodles. Like, I don't think it can be bad, but like, I don't know how 
good it is, I guess. It, it, I, I've only been to Cincinnati you know, once, and I did not ha- get the opportunity to try I'd it. I'd be willing to try it. I, I would probably be willing to try it, too, but I don't know. Watching watching that uh, guy just stuff his face <laughs> during the yeah, game. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into our heroes and villains because I want to talk about that more. <laughs> anyway, uh, bottom line, eight wins is a very big deal for this program. Finishing strong, very big deal for this program. You, again, showed that you can overcome you know, the emotional side of things. Oh, you had a big loss. You were able to bounce back and uh, – this program, this team was a lot of fun to watch all regular season long. They'll get one extra game with the cherry on top in the bowl game. Looking forward to that. We'll talk plenty more about it throughout the show and the upcoming week here on RCST. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chuck Sports Talk on KLWN. We will uh, get into some of the possible bowl games KU could be in at some point on tomorrow's show. Uh, probably won't find out till Sunday. There will probably be certain things that, I don't know, certain bowls leak out. The problem is when you're in like a Power 5 conference, a lot of times the bowls that leak out this week are ones where it's like, you know, Toledo against <laughs> Miami or something like or I don't know. Because the problem is when you're in a Power 5 conference, and especially where the Big 12 is right now, it's like Oklahoma's on the fringe of being in the near six or not. I think Oklahoma's ranked like 13th in the college football playoff rankings. Louisville obviously lost to his 10th, so I'd imagine Oklahoma's going to be like 12th this week yeah. in the CFP rankings. Um, obviously, the so top, Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say there's 12 teams in the New Year's Six. Now, with one group of five, theoretically, you'd have to be in the top 11. I don't know how the conference championships affect that. Yeah. But Oklahoma's hanging on the balance. So, like, so, they can't really predetermine what bowl is what because if Oklahoma's in a New Year's Six— that completely changes the order from, you know, maybe the Alamo Bowl would accept Oklahoma, but if they're in a New Year's Six, they can't, and now they have to just accept somebody else, so, like, it messes with stuff. Well, and one thing that uh, I thought about that I, I'm not really sure, I didn't dive into it, but let's say Florida State beats Louisville in the ACC title game, okay. and then Florida State's in the playoff. Does the ACC have, like, that automatic, you know how they used to have the automatic? The tie-ins, Yeah, the right? automatic where they would just go straight to the, to the orange, the orange bowl, bowl. Yeah, so actually the so Big Louisville, 12 has maybe it doesn't matter. Yeah, so the Big 12 has one of those. It's the Sugar Bowl, but this year the Sugar Bowl is one of the, the semifinals, so that's why there's not like a, an official tie. So Louisville um, might be, you know, not in the top 12, but they still might get it that off that. That is true. But I don't know I don't if know if he has that. Yeah, I don't, yeah I don't know if the Orange Bowl is one of the semifinals or not. I don't think it is. Well, that would be kind of the big question there. But, yeah, I mean, that could possibly be another team that, that hops over them then because you're right. A lot of times what the conferences will do is – If you go to the just, playoff, you have a your the next best team goes yes. straight to whatever. And some conferences have done it in the past where they're like it's just the next highest ranked. Others have done it in the past, like, for instance, the Big 12 last year. Uh, well, actually, no, that K-State won the Big 12 title, so it ended up fine. But um, the Big 12 did say before the Big 12 championship game last year that if K-State lost, they would be the second representative, right? By the way, great job, K-State, of whining and complaining about Big 12 tiebreakers just to lose because you stink. That, I will say this. That game was so fun to watch in the Dude, uh, talk about snow. karma. Oh, the Big 12 tiebreakers. <laughs> and then just L straight to your face. Yeah, that was That's fun. I just want to say well, that. honestly, that loss does possibly change things for uh, the possible – I don't, I don't know. K, K-State still might be selected in certain areas over KU, but it does at least close the gap and make things a little interesting. Uh, anyway, uh, we do have to get to our hit of the week for KU football against Cincinnati, brought to you by Pearson Collision. Just like you, Pearson Collision loves to celebrate a great hit in KU football, but in your car, not so much. Quality work, every job, Pearson Collision in Lawrence. So there weren't, like, any super standout ones that come to mind. There, there no. were a couple in the early going. Cornell Wheeler had a hard one on Emory Jones that uh, forced a third down and short on a speed option. 
Gage Keys had a nice one, kind of combined with Rich Miller to force a third and two on a second down and uh, short running play. Uh, JB Brown just had a couple that that on running plays that were like four or five yard gains, but then he smacked the guy. JB Brown also had a really good one. It was a third and three. Emory Jones threw to their uh, leading receiver in Henderson, and he kind of lit him up in the middle of the field, and then it was incomplete. Now they did end up converting the fourth down and end up getting a touchdown that drive. And then uh, this one, I don't know. This one might be my favorite. I don't know. I'm, I'm open to whatever. Kenny Logan, there was a third and 25, and they threw it about 15 yards downfield over the middle of the field. Kenny Logan, again, it was Henderson, poor guy. Uh, and Kenny Logan just knocked the snot out of him and uh, made it an incomplete pass. Yeah, I, I do like that one where... Plus, we don't have Kenny Logan pass. on here yet this year. Yeah, I feel like Kenny Logan needs to be on there, to be honest. So I'm okay with picking that one. Because you're right, there wasn't any... You know, there wasn't any ones where it was like, oh, you know, like a big mm-hmm. one. Like there has been. Uh, so there, those are some good options. But honestly, just for the sake of getting Kenny Logan on the list, I'm fine with putting Kenny Logan on there. Okay, let's do that one. It was in neither the third or fourth quarter. So that gets him on there. Our leaderboard, just one game to go now with the bowl game. Mm. Austin Booker has three. J.B. Brown has two. So those are the only guys who could actually win the title here. Okay. J.B. could tie the title. Uh, Kobe Bryant, Armaj Reed Adams, Marvin Grant, Daniel Highshaw, Jared Casey, Kenny Logan – all have one, and then there's the one asterisk play with the uh, Texas game. <laughs> and the best one is still Kobe Bryant, correct? Uh, Yeah, okay. I think so. I would agree yeah. with that. Uh, well, Pier- I don't think there's any question. Yeah, Pearson knows accidents happen, understand the stress and pressure. Pearson embodies trusted experience, meticulous repair, and they work with your insurance. Pearson Collision Repair, 7th in Connecticut in Lawrence. Now, beyond football happening over the weekend, and uh, we're about to get to our KU Maui Invitational takeaways coming up in our next segment. KU Women's Basketball also had a couple big games last week. They were playing in the Cayman Islands, played two top 10 teams in Virginia Tech and Connecticut. They nearly won the Virginia Tech game. Uh, That was kind of a a lower scoring game. They lost by a point, 59-58. They had the ball with like under five seconds and and couldn't uh, put in a game-winning shot. And then they played close with UConn. They were kind of right there the whole game, ended up losing by eight. But competitive showing in both games. Yeah, yeah. And I think when we touched on it last week uh, with the shortened week before Thanksgiving, that was kind of what you and I had suggested was, I don't think you need to go into the, didn't think you needed to go into those games, you know, and saying, oh, if you don't win, it's a failure. Because you are playing two of the top programs. I mean, Virginia Tech was in the Final Four last year. UConn, obviously, historically, is one of the best programs of all time in women's basketball. So to go out there and play against two really, really quality opponents and maybe not get the win, but still, you know, test your men a little bit and show what you're made of and really battle against those programs, you know, those are the types of games where, again, you didn't get the win, but those are the types of games where you can learn a lot from them and and utilize those experiences to build upon going forward. And, I think it's still overall a good showing for KU because you know you had the game where you lose to Penn State on the road, uh, which was a bit of an unfortunate loss, and then you played against UMKC and maybe didn't win by as much as you thought you you would hope to. But to have those two games like that and to show what you're worth against two top opponents, I think was definitely a really positive thing for for this women's basketball program. And you know, even though this is even though this is an experienced team. You know, you look at a player like Samaya Nichols, who probably learned so much from that trip and from playing those teams. So that she was really good and, too. And, yeah, and she's the player that you know, if she can hit her ceiling, probably elevates everybody else on the team even higher. So, yeah, overall, it's it's one of those rare cases where even with two losses, you maybe you come out of that trip feeling a little bit better about yourselves, about uh, you know where you are maybe nationally, and if and if you can build upon that and get into conference play, and you still got everything in front of you, right? And 
and I and you know those aren't losses that I don't think will be held against you too much when it comes to NCAA tournament time, right? I mean, if you're if you're a team that said, hey, in the non-conference we lost against Virginia Tech and 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 UConn, and maybe there's other teams that are fighting for seeding that that played against more cupcake teams or didn't didn't have that tough non-conference schedule, maybe you know Kansas gets favored over that. Yeah, and Kansas still needs to get the uh, the bench going right now. Zakiya Franklin is is shooting a, li- a little below from where she was a year before, but yeah, it's been nice to see Holly Kerskeeter has been, been shooting well. Uh, Samaya Nichols is averaging thirteen points per game right now, which is really good for for the young freshman. It, it is like it, it's one of those things where big picture when you talk about the competition and what they showed, they clearly showed they can win these types of games or beat some of the better opponents or compete with the better opponents. So those are all positives, and those do make you believe they should be able to nab a couple, you know, top twenty five level wins in the Big Twelve, of which you're going to have lots of chances to do so. Kansas yeah. State looks really good. Texas is good. Baylor is good. Like you go down the list, there are going to be a lot of teams who are either flirting with or inside the. Top twenty-five in the oh, Big wait. Twelve this year. Speaking of Kansas State, real quickly on women's mm-hmm. basketball, does it seem kind of stupid to you that they were able to play Iowa twice? Yeah, that was very weird. Within like the last week, yeah, like one they of played them was them. a scheduled game, the other yeah, was in a conference the, tournament or yeah, a, like a, a tournament. A tournament. Game, yeah. But like, if you're scheduled to play, I, there should be why they yeah. should they should make it to where you're no you're not going to play again in the tournament more than likely. Yeah, I don't know. That was very weird. Yeah. Uh, so su- super odd there. Um, but you know. The one negative of this, now there is a little bit more pressure because they're sitting at two and three. And I think this pressure comes from the Penn State loss, specifically when you add it on here. Now yeah. you're sitting at two and three. They went, I think, was it nine and nine and then ten and eight in the Big Twelve the last two years? Let's say they go ten and eight this year. Now the expectations do better. So let's say eleven and seven. Let's say they go eleven and seven in the Big Twelve this year. Let's say they win out the rest of their non con. That would put them at nineteen and ten going into the Big Twelve tournament. That's kind of a bubble team record, is it not? Could be, yeah. And but again, you have a tough time. harder schedule. A, maybe yeah. you get credit for it, right? And listen, you, you still got to play Texas A and M on the road. Of course, and you have to play Nebraska and at Wichita State. So yeah. there's no guarantee you win out the rest of the non-con. Point being here, I think it is a good thing what they did last week. I think it is good to challenge yourself, and I think they showed themselves very well. But the one negative of not being able to come through with one of the wins is now there's pressure. That you have to deliver the rest of the season yeah. to avoid being in the same spot you were in last year. Yeah, I think certainly now you look at Big Twelve conference play, and you you said it. I mean, eleven and seven is probably not good enough. You need mm-hmm. to be going to twelve and six, or you know, even better. Which is going to be tough in the Big Twelve. Yeah, it's a very difficult conference. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to our KU Maui Invitational uh, recap and takeaways from last week. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to RCST on KLWN as we get ready for the KU Eastern Illinois game tomorrow. We got uh, KU football in their bowl game coming up at some point here in the next several weeks. Uh, how about KU women's volleyball? They're going to be playing later this week. They uh, clinched a... So so the volleyball tournament about two years ago, I, I think that's right, maybe a year or two ago, I, I don't know, the timeline, switched things up. They used to do it for the longest time where they just ranked out 1 through 16. Right, and then they had those going to bracket. They've started actually seed now, so they have the top eight seeds in each region. Um, so it looks a bit like an NCAA tournament bracket, but after the top eight seeds, it's not that. And they still do care about the geography and, and putting stuff together that way. Basically, the top four seeds in every region, in every, I don't know, quadrant, I guess you could say, yeah. are teams that host a pod. So Kansas got the four seed in their region, which means they're basically 
13 so, through 16 overall, and they get to host in the first two rounds. So this is the equivalent of like the 4-13 matchup and the yep. 5-12, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so they'll be playing on Thursday. Um, they, they moved up the KU women's basketball game to 12-30 to accommodate that. And they'll be playing Thursday uh, and also hosting. So they're playing Omaha on Thursday. Yep. And Seven they actually o'clock. already beat Omaha earlier this year. And then Friday, um, they would get the winner, assuming they could beat Omaha, of Penn State versus Yale. Yale's been a really good Ivy League team. Penn State, though, is when you talk volleyball blue bloods, Nebraska, um, Texas, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Stanford. Stanford. It's probably, I, I don't know if Wisconsin, Wisconsin lately has been there, but historically they haven't won as many times. Penn State would be one of those other ones. Uh, Wisconsin certainly is there now with where they're at. But yeah, I mean, so, I mean, that could be a very intriguing matchup if we get that in the second round. And then you could have that. It would be a 5.30 Friday leading into the Connecticut KU basketball game on Friday. Could be a pretty fun week of uh, sports. And then potentially if they can make the Sweet 16, Wisconsin, as you mentioned, they're the the second overall one seed. And uh, Wisconsin, uh, Nebraska, who's the number one overall one seed, has one loss. It's to Wisconsin. Wisconsin's a really good team. And you have an added story element, the Carolyn Crawford, who's the former Kansas really good middle blocker, transferred to Wisconsin after a sophomore year. I think there was some weird like NIL behind-the-scene back-dealing stuff that led to that happening. Mm. So I, I don't know if there's bad blood there at all, but I, I certainly know the situation that led to it is weird, and that would be a very interesting matchup to, to kind of have Wisconsin that one Wisconsin also there. has uh, a girl on the team that is 6'9". Yes. That was after like they had a six eight girl on their team too, led them to a national championship a couple years ago. They uh, they're they really good. They're really good at volleyball. Is a good that, way to put that, it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I know. Why aren't she hooping? <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to that Thursday and Friday. We'll we'll give you updates if if any of it. I, I guess none of it will be happening really during the show anyway. Okay. Uh, KU basketball finished out the Maui Invitational two and one. Yep. They won the last game against Tennessee to make everybody feel a lot better. I, uh, I was yep. talking about this, I, I think, last Wednesday uh, for the brief show we had. It's funny how going 2-1 and one this year in the Maui Invitational felt so much better than going 2-1 and one in the battle for Atlantis um, the year before, at least to me. And both of them were similar in that your one loss was by 14 points to another good team. You lose by 14 to Marquette this year. Last year, you lose by 14 to Tennessee. So both were similar, but it's just it, when you go out with a win, there's something about it that feels so much better. Yeah, hundred percent, dude. Going out with a win, even though you didn't win the tournament, agree, makes mm-hmm. you feel way better, right? I mean, the tennis after the Tennessee game last year, I think uh, it was a bit deflating. It was, <laughs> you know, and it, it is kind of there is a bit of irony to the fact that you know you get to play him again in another tournament at Feast Week next year, and you actually win. This yeah, week. so that was cool. It was cool. Uh, so I, I have a uh, fun, we're going to, since coming off Thanksgiving, we're going to divvy this out into a Thanksgiving-styled segment. So uh, best part of the meal are top leftovers, and I don't want to try that. Let me explain. Uh, so our different tiers here of things that are takeaways from the week. Best part of the meal is things that we thought KU did really well okay. and we think are just strengths of this team moving forward. Top leftovers are things that we have questioned about like you're leaving the leftovers for later, you don't necessarily like it or love it, but like some of the things that happened, you just want to see more of it moving forward to determine your thoughts on it. And then the last one is I don't want to try that, which were things that were a problem that you're starting to be worried about, okay? Okay. 
best part of the meal. For me, it was the two-point success on both ends of the floor. And specifically on the offensive side of the ball, KU is just getting easy buckets inside. A big part is Hunter Dickinson, but they're doing it with, with K.J. Adams. Uh, they're doing it occasionally with some of the other guys coming in, but it, it's mainly Hunter Dickinson. You were having so much success inside the arc. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and uh, to your point, I, I would say Hunter Dickinson was probably <laughs> the best part of the meal. Yeah. I mean, that dude, I've, listen, rewind back to the Illinois game. People were like, oh, dude, this Hunter Dickinson guy, he's not even that good. Like, why did, what What are we doing here? We, we, we gave this guy the style money to, to do what? To score 17 and 8 every game? That's not good enough. Well, how's 20 and 20 a night? Is that good enough for you? <laughs> I hope so. Because he's he's outstanding. And everything is going to be so reliant upon him. I know I've, I've kind of floated this take a few times already, but I still continue to believe that I think Kevin McCuller is the most important player for KU overall. But with Hunter Dickinson, I mean, if he keeps getting 20 and 20 a night, at some point you have to think to yourself, maybe Hunter Dickinson is the most important player. And obviously, with with how much he does and, and how much the offense kind of hinges upon him, he's so important, and, and he was phenomenal. Uh, you know, he didn't get didn't get to see him play Zach Eady, but man, he's he's so good and, and so dominant, and uh, it's it's really really impressive. And I think so. When he originally transferred to Kansas, I touched on this a little bit back earlier in the year, way way back like when he first transferred, like back in the spring and summer, of the fact that not only is Hunter Dickinson so good at what he does, obviously with scoring and rebounding and whatnot, even going back to his time at Michigan. He's very, very efficient in terms of not picking up fouls, mm-hmm. and that has continued into so far this this season at Kansas. At last year at Michigan, in 31 minutes a game last year, he was under three fouls a game. I think under three fouls, basically average under three fouls a game, which is very impressive for 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 a big center, right? I mean, think about how many times on both ends of the floor you're throwing shoulders, you're throwing elbows, you're trying to clear space, you're trying to do different stuff, and to 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 still manage to to do all that and be as effective as he is, and still not get into real foul trouble. That to me is what's so impressive, and, and and what I think is going to be the biggest thing that KU fans are, are going to be happy about is the fact that he's going to be able to still be on the floor. Because if Hunter Dickinson does get into foul trouble, that's where you, you start to have questions, right? I mean, I mean, we saw KJ Adams get in foul trouble, and KU still managed to work their way around it. You know, besides Dewan Harris getting into foul trouble, Dickinson's the next guy where it's, there's real issues, and uh, he's he's so good at, at not doing that. So on top of the efficiency on top of the dominance, on top of what he's done on the stat sheet. To me, that is something that might go under the radar a little bit, but I think is going to be one of the more important things is the fact that Hunter Dickinson is managing to pile up all these stats. He's managing to play all these minutes without being in foul, foul trouble, which allows him to go out and play aggressive and do what he does and best. Just grab 20 rebounds a, yeah. a bunch of times. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so I mean, that that was really good. Um, I, as far as some of the top leftovers here, I honestly, you could put this one in the I don't want to try that, but... Still, because the first two games were so good, it has buoyed the numbers that overall in the season, the three-point shooting actually looks good this year. But really, every game besides those first two games against much much lesser opponents, it has not looked good. And again, they're shooting 40.6% from three. So you would assume that it's okay on the on the overall. So that's why I have it as a leftover. Like, I want to see more. I, I, I still don't know if I have a great grasp on what this team is shooting from three. Are they average? Are they below average? Are they bad? Are they above average? Are they good? I don't think they're good. I don't think they're bad. But where do they range on that spectrum I think is kind of interesting. The other one is the bench play because the bench play was non-existent in the first two games, right? But in the Tennessee game, it wasn't everyone on the bench. It was really two guys. 
You know, it was Jamar yeah. McDowell played over 20 minutes off the bench, and Johnny Furphy at least gave you a few good moments. And I think when when you look to the success of the bench, it's never going to be about does everybody off the bench play well? Do do all but one player off the bench play well? Yeah, that'd be great. It'd be cool if it happened. Realistically, though, if Kansas can have like two bench players play play well and giving you, and I don't even know, not even just the bench, the five through nine, right? Your fifth starter plus your first guy or two off the bench. Can two or three of those just play well? Can they play decent in a given game? And I think we saw that in the Tennessee game. But again, because the overall is that has not been the case in a lot of the other games, it does leave you questioning, okay, what is the truth of this bench? But because it was the final game and because the bench is young and because it's almost like one of those things where it's like, okay, what we most saw makes you want to think they're trending in the right direction. It's a top leftover that I'm curious to see how that transfers over, specifically the play of Jamari McDowell. Yeah, Jamari McDowell, uh, I mean, we can just have a conversation about him right now. I mean, he he's above Nick Timberlake for sure, right? I would think I mean, so. He's, he, he has shown a willingness to to get down and dirty and, and to be aggressive and, and, and play hard on defense. And even, listen, he was shooting the ball pretty well, right? So very, very impressive with Jamari McDowell. Uh, and it, it feels like, at a certain point, he's just going to play his way into playing more, right? I mean, I think he has to. I think he has to. So that's what I would expect. I'm very, very impressed with Jamar McDowell, certainly. Yeah, uh, I thought he was really good in that last game. Now, the I don't want to try that, things that you come away from this being like, oh, ugh, oh. that did not go well, and I have worries about it. For me, uh, one of them is the turnover issues. Um, I We'll see how sustainable it is. But it's the turnover issues at both ends. This isn't just them turning it over too much, which happened in the last two games. And, and we found out today from Bill Self, Kevin McCuller, who I think had 13 turnovers in the two games, was playing through some sort of sickness. So maybe he was just super tired. But uh, the turnovers not only were a problem for KU offensively, they're not forcing turnovers right now, which is weird because they were good at it last year and you have Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller. Yeah, it's one of those things where it just doesn't make sense because you have a very, very experienced team. You have what we think is one of the best point guards in the country. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the Marquette game, and and it looked like somebody had unplugged Dewan Harris and no, no, never plugged him back in. I don't, know, I don't know what was wrong with him. So, But the, the really hard part about the turnover issues is, like, it, it's hard to gauge what the worry level should be. Because on one hand, it's like, okay, you do have Dewan Harris. You do have, you know, guys that are experienced and understand how to play. So is this just kind of a blip in the radar and it's going to be fine? And if, if so, that's fine. But if it continues to be an issue, what's the solution? What's the answer there, right? How do you how do you fix that? To me, my uh, I don't want it is the free throw shooting. What, I mean, what are we doing? Make a free throw! So Holy I think man! For the overall oh my, of the three games, dude. it was fifty five or fifty six percent on free throws. Oh, um, and hey, hey, you know you know something. Guess what loses you games in March? Free throws. Turnovers and free throw shooting. Okay? That crap has got to be figured out. I mean, I don't I don't even I, I can't even wrap my brain around how that's that's an issue. It, it doesn't make any sense. It's it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, come on, seriously. They're free throws. I'm not, you know, you don't have to shoot 85% or 80%, but you need to be shooting I would think at least 70 to 75%. At least to be average. It's yes. So that was I mean, not good. I wanted to. It's a miracle I didn't break my TV multiple times or break anything in my immediate vicinity. 
that just really ticked me off. That was bad. The uh, the other one in this kind of wait and see the Nick Timberlake stuff, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Timberlake, man, I mean, we we touched on it last week. I don't know how you can't be close to just like throwing in the towel seems a bit dramatic, but like, I mean, it just how how long is how long do you need to to sort of get this stuff figured out? It's 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 not ideal, but again. I kind of floated this to you last week and or previously that at what point maybe do you start to consider Timberlake is not really a guy you need? Mm-hmm. I mean, if Furphy and McDowell are serviceable and they're hitting threes off the bench and then Marco, you know, starts making three. I mean, at what point do you just think, okay, well, this is not something we necessarily need. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yep, but uh, we'll see more in the Eastern Illinois game. We'll learn more in the UConn game on Friday. He's Nick Springer. Yeah. I'm Derek Johnson. One hour down, two to go. We got Case of the Mondays, Chiefs, NFL Monday overreactions. Some more KU football talk, KU football, KU basketball audio. Plenty coming at you here the rest of the show with RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, and despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind, and they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. you freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. How am I supposed to calm down? Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Time for your case of the Mondays. I'm having a bit of case of the Mondays today. I mean, how do you not after the holiday weekend? Yeah, you get so many days off. You're used to living the the relaxed, the good life. Then you got to come back into work today, you know. Brutal. Yeah, it is tough. Uh, You know who's not having a case of the Mondays today? Who's that? Lou Holtz. Mm. He was right. True. Finally. About Ohio State. Ryan Day. Soft. <laughs> Can't beat Michigan. Soft. <laughs> oh, I love there that. There you go. Good job, Lou Holtz. I know. Uh, anyway. How old is Lou Holtz, by the oh, way? Oh, gosh. That's a good question. I mean, he's got to be in his, what, 80s? All right. Do you want to play? Uh, oh, I, I know. You know I love playing games. I know. I mean, I'm trying to think of a who's another, like, person that is... Is an elder statesman. Uh, Harrison Ford. Uh, hmm. Wow, Harrison Ford's sneaky uh, older than I thought. I guess yeah, it's he's, he's still active. Like, he's like 79, I think, right? 81. Yeah, geez. All right, Lou Holtz, is he older or younger than Harrison Ford? Oh, he's got to be older. He's 86. You're <laughs> right. <There> you <laughs> yeah. All right, anyway, uh, case of the Mondays today. First up is the college football playoff committee. I don't know if uh, how much you've dove into some of the crazy scenarios that could happen this weekend. It certainly feels like this year, you know, normally yeah. normally we get to like week eight or week nine or week ten. You have all these teams that have one loss or zero loss, and everybody's freaking out about, oh, why is this team ranked below that team? And it's like, chill. It's going to work itself out. Well, somebody's going to get upset. Somebody's going to None of the top like six, seven, or eight teams, they're not getting upset. Uh, yeah, I know. So it's the thought, lead to some possible headaches. The thought weekend. that I had is like, you know, typically around this time or like you said, like week 10, 11, people are like, 
oh, could you imagine if we had a 12-team playoff? It'd be so awesome. And then, you know, by the time you get to this time, it ends up being like, eh, okay, top four, whatever. But you're right. Like, this year would be like legitimately the 12-team playoff would be yeah. really cool. It's felt like the top eight has been the same for like, it actually might have been for the last three weeks. You know, like Alabama and Texas have been ranked seventh and eighth for like, Three yeah. straight weeks. None it's going to change now with Ohio State, obviously. It will. It will. But I don't know how much are they going to fall, you know? Like, they're still going to be in the top eight, certainly. Well, that's what I'm saying. So, I was I, I was talking to a friend about this uh, over the weekend, and basically the discussion was, is Ohio State now completely eliminated from making the playoffs? I don't think they are. I don't think they're completely eliminated, but it's going to take a lot more help than it took. Like, last year, all it took was one loss, USC, and it yeah. happened. This year, they need a bunch to happen. Because yeah. think about this. Well, okay, so well, cause yeah. the, the scenario that I propose is like, Let's if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC title game, both does, would be in over Ohio State. Exactly. Does, is Georgia in over Ohio State automatically? Not automatically. Ohio State's, lo- Ohio State's loss so. would be they'd be eleven and one. Their yeah. loss would be to probably number one Michigan at that right. point. And Georgia would be twelve and one. Their loss being to you know top four, I guess Alabama at that point. But then Ohio State. You look at their wins, they probably have a better strength of schedule than Georgia does. Penn State and Notre Dame would be their best two wins. So Penn State, top 10-ish team. Notre Dame, top 15-ish team. Georgia's best wins would be Ole Miss, top 10-ish team. Missouri. Missouri, top 10-ish team. At Tennessee, top 25 team. Yeah, I guess, Kentucky, the, I guess they get extra credit for that now with their Louisville win. Yeah. I think Georgia would still... Here, here's what Ohio State would need to get back in. Because I do agree with you. There is still a chance. It would just take a lot. Florida State would have to lose. I think well, Texas would have to lose to Oklahoma State. Then you get into the conversation of, is Florida State guaranteed to be in if they, assuming they're thirteen and zero, are they are they guaranteed to no. be in? Well, this is this is the headache that the committee is going to be under, and I think honestly, Florida State might lead to the biggest headache because if you go thirteen and zero in a Power Five conference, you should be in automatically every day should, of the week. Yes, exactly. But also, I understand the argument of saying. Florida State without Jordan Travis is not a top four team. They are not a top four team. There's no way in their, in my mind they're a top four team. But again, I would still put them in because they earned it, right? And that's part of it. You would you think, earned. yeah. But so again, that's going to be part of the headache. So you circle back to the the, the Alabama Georgia situation. Mm-hmm. Alabama beats Georgia, so then it's Alabama and Michigan, and let's say Texas wins, so yeah. you can put Texas in. Then the question becomes: this, Is Florida State is thirteen and zero Florida State automatically in over twelve and one Georgia? Well, even in that scenario, you have Florida State, the discussion of... Because here's the problem. Okay, even if... With Alabama, if Alabama beats Georgia, that's where basically the main chaos would happen. Yes. You would have two 12-1 teams with Alabama Georgia. Texas, if they win, they're 12-1. Florida State, if they win, they're 13-0. Then you'd have either Washington or Oregon, who's either 13-0 or 12-1, depending on who wins. Then you have Michigan at 13-0. So, like... Yeah, I forgot about Washington and Oregon. It's it's pretty bananas how you're going to have, like... Oregon, I don't know, is Texas' best chance to make the playoff Alabama beating Georgia because then they would be like, oh, but we need to be ahead of Bama because we beat them on the road by 10. Because right now, let's say Georgia beats Alabama. Let's say Michigan takes care of Iowa. Let's say Florida State win. So Georgia and Michigan, they both win. They're in, right? That's for sure. There would be two spots left between Washington, Oregon winner, undefeated Florida State, one loss Ohio State, 12-1 and Texas. Which of those two get the chopping block? Probably Ohio State in that scenario. Yeah, but then I think which Ohio the State other one? for sure. Does Texas get it? Does Florida State get it? Or does Oregon slash Washington? I mean, if Washington wins, they're in. They'd be you undefeated. would think. Well, let's say it's Oregon beats Washington. You would Who's think in? Washington is in if they win. 
But maybe Florida Washington is the team that gets left out. I think Florida State gets the fourth. You know? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's, it is it is a disaster. I, yeah, I do not envy the committee. This it's it's absolute mayhem. And, There's and you be just a know that no matter what happens, the committee is going to screw it up somehow. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. Can they just be like, hey, we're just going to institute a 16 playoff this year? Well, just just, just you know. do the 12. Why well, you got to wait a year, year for it? Really would. Let's do the 12. Uh, MLB free agency is having a case of the Mondays. We actually had a signing today. Sonny Gray signed with the St. Louis Cardinals, three years, seventy-five million, which is funny because the average age of their starting pitching staff now is like thirty-four years old. Wow. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but it has been now. Do you realize MLB free agency has been going on for? It's like three weeks now. Really? It's been going on for a month. Yeah, I didn't and know. that exact reaction is why it's on case of the Mondays. Yeah, because really. you, you know that I'm not a big no. major league baseball guy. Like which I, makes I pay you attention. A good barometer for these tests. Yeah, like I pay attention. I I know obviously what's going on generally within the sport for the most part but I don't I'm not like super into it and so to your point I didn't even know that free agency was going on I don't really care uh I mean the, I know the Royals haven't signed anybody that's how nope. I would know most teams haven't that that is the dumbest part of all this that MLB for like when NBA free agency starts it up you know I mean, people there are people that legitimately believe NBA free agency yeah. is better than the season yeah when NFL free agency starts, which you don't get that same sentiment, but you still it's know, still a, like it's yeah. a week or two weeks long, where you know there's yeah. a big sign, a bunch of big signings on the first it's day. It's still a big deal, over, right? Yeah, it's still a big deal. MLB free agency is the complete opposite. Imagine showing up to the movie, th- and actually, this did happen to me. I went to see a movie about a week ago. Okay. Um, and what movie was it? It was the uh, new Hunger Games movie. Mm, okay. My yeah. wife's big. She's read I all still the books. Want to see that, yeah. We went and saw it. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Okay. I might see that. I actually saw some of the KU volleyball players there. So uh, oh, nice. maybe that led to them cool. hosting. You know, that was the difference. Anyway, yeah. um, went there, and I kid you not, I forget what time the movie was supposed to start. Let's say the movie was supposed to start at, at 6.15, for instance, right? Well, you got, you know, 40 minutes of Of course. You, you get there. so many. Well, you get yeah, so many previews. Uh, previews, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's to be expected. I expect that, right? What I don't expect is nonstop commercials, not previews, commercials. Yeah, they started doing that, yeah. They started, when did they start doing this? I, I don't know. I haven't been to the movies in probably like six months. Yeah, so now it's like, now it's like, you you go yes. in, so let's say the movie starts at 6.15. 6.15. You go, you sit down at 6. I looked, I looked at my clock. It was, it was, uh, it was 10 minutes of uninterrupted commercials. After 6.15? After 6.15. So from 6.15 to 6.25, it was, com- was uh, 20, 30 second commercials. In my experience, what it's been now is like, if they say the movie's supposed to start at 6.15, you go in and you sit down maybe at like 6. Mm-hmm. You just get blasted by 15 minutes of nonstop commercials. And then 6.15 is when they start the then 15 minutes of previews. That. Right. That's how I've normally had it. That's why this bothered me. Because it was it was 6.15 or whatever. 10 minutes of commercials. Now it's 6.25. Now the previews start at 6.25. The movie didn't start till like 7. I was like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? Anyway, Dude, I don't even know. I've lost all track. That That's MLB Free Agency. Case of the Mondays for going to the movies. Yeah, seriously. But that's MLB Free Agency now. It's uh, They've added commercials. They've added a bunch of previews. I don't know when it actually starts, even though it no, does itself. I think the time. better. I think the better anal- uh, better uh, oh God, analogy, metaphor, and now yeah, metaphor, simile. What here would be if you if the movie's supposed to start at six fifteen, and you sit down and it's just thirty minutes of black screen, because <laughs> nothing's even happened. There hasn't even anything happened. I'm gonna start showing up if I if I buy a ticket for a movie. I'm gonna start showing up half an hour <laughs> after it starts. You can't beat me. Okay, uh, Mark Stoops maybe is having a case of the Mondays because this was wild. This happened, what, Saturday night? Yeah. Um, there was a report. Well, it lasted like an hour. Yeah, there was a report that uh, Texas A&M is hiring Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops to replace Jimbo Fisher. 
Then, like you said, there was about an hour of Texas A&M fans getting super mad online, being like, we don't want him. He's not good enough. You know, he only went seven or eight games uh, at Kentucky and yada, 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 right? Texas A&M fans are obviously kind of uh, a little delusional about what their football program is. But anyway, um, ends up not happening, whether it was because of the A&M outrage, because of Mark Stoops didn't want to take it, because of something. Uh, who knows why? Yeah. But it just fell so through. Here's my end. question. Is Mark Stoops really having a case of the Mondays? Because maybe well, he's why. feeling great about himself. Maybe, maybe he's he thinking, oh, I'm going to take this Texas A&M job. And then he was subjected to 60 minutes yeah. of Texas A&M fans bombarding him. And he decided, you know what? I don't want to put up with this crap. No, but here's why I think it's the case of the Mondays. One, imagine having your name drugged through the mud for an hour. That would not be fun. Two, okay. imagine if he actually did want to take this job, and that's the reason why he they that had would to pull suck. it from him. No, that right? would suck. If, if that like, would suck. like if you're like you want this is your dream job, and right. and the employer calls you and they're like, hey, we're gonna hire you. Sweet, you're feeling great. You know, you're celebrating. And then an hour later, they mm-hmm. call you back and they say, hey, uh, we had some some very influential people within our company actually say that you suck. And uh, no, we will not be yeah. hiring you. Three. This wasn't even the classic coach bump of like, oh, I'm interested in the job, even if you're not, just to get a pay raise. It wasn't. He didn't get a pay raise out of this. And four, if you're Mark Stoops, like, do you have to do you have to apologize now to some Kentucky well, donors? Are no, there no, did you see the statement? That are like, he, screw you. Did you see you the know? statement that he put out afterwards? No, I didn't. So he put out like a Twitter statement that was basically like, uh, glad to be Wildcat. Oh, boy. <laughs> see, that's what I'm saying. Case of the Mondays. Has to deal with a lot of crap now. <laughs> Uh, Dana Holgerson yeah. has a case of money. He was fired by Houston. Yeah. I wonder how good of a job that Houston job is in the Big 12. I I, I feel like it's got to be decently attractive. It's a very talent-rich area. Houston's sure. a gigantic city, so you have a, a bunch of local. I mean, if you just recruit, recruit Houston really well, you'll probably have a pretty good team. Um, but also moving into the Big 12, like we saw this year, they really struggled. So there's obviously a transition there. Yeah. It's obviously a job that, like, we've seen them fire coaches who have gone eight and four. So they have very high expectations. Now that was going eight and four when they were in the American. Maybe eight and four in the Big Twelve is a different discussion. But sure. I'll be interested to see how big of a job that because I think if you get the right coach in there, Houston could be a sleeping giant so in does, the Big Twelve. Does Dana Holgerson get another head coaching job? I think so, but probably at a like, lower at level. What? Yeah, probably have to know. be like a Sun Belt school or something. You yeah, know, like I, I don't know. It feels, like, it feels like he has totally lost all of his right. roster. He's now exhausted a couple, basically, Power 5 jobs with West Virginia and Houston. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be kind of interesting. Maybe he has I, to go back to being an offense coordinator for a year or two. I don't know. Yeah, a guy for Houston, the Houston job, by the way. This was a guy that was talked about for the Texas A&M job. UTSA head coach Jeff Trailer. Yeah, that'd be Who good is a very, very, I think he's a very, very strong local recruiter in Texas. And... Going from UTSA to Houston would probably mm-hmm. make sense for him. I, I don't know. How, I don't know if there's any mutual. Frank Harris, their like seven-year quarterback, is is gone <laughs> after this year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the NCAA is having a case of money. They're always having a case. They're always getting dragged about yeah. something here or there. But yeah. they couldn't keep James Madison down. They tried. Not enough eligible bowl teams. So James Madison is making a bowl game. Congratulations! Oh, thank God. Yeah, dude, all is right in the world here. NCAA. I mean, how do you not learn? Well, first of all. This is one of those situations where, how does, does do you think the NCAA knows that they that they suck? Like, do you think they just know <laughs> that? You know what I mean? Like, you walk into a room and everyone th- else like. I think they're probably very defensive. Like, maybe there are certain people who work for them who are like, man, that like I, I we, don't like that. Like, but. we just make dumb decisions over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> you think anybody know? Do you think they know that? Some people, but I think the higher ups, they probably it's it's heels dug in. But it's not even Mark Emmert no, anymore. You're wrong. They got a new guy. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what his name is. What's the new guy's name? 
Charles Charlie, something? Charles something. Charlie? He's, he's a former, like, or no. Isn't he a former senator? Former, uh, a former congressman? Yeah, yeah. Uh, governor or something like that. Oh, yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Doesn't do much work. <laughs> anyway, uh, last one here, Case of Monday, Sports Illustrated. So there's this uh, one news site, Futurism, who caught this. Sports Illustrated, which, I mean, when we were growing up, I mean, now it's it's kind of, it got bought over by one of those media sites that, um, anyway, whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it was it was big. I mean, yeah, it was, sports it was Illustrated big Magazine. It was, it was a beacon of, of journalism and sports writing yep. and, and all this sort of stuff. Yep. So they got caught publishing stories that were made by AI with a fake author profile that was actually representative of the AI. And uh, the site Futurism approached them about it, and they wiped it all. So Sports Illustrated, it just, uh, yeah. just, again, like, I don't know. With something like this, I just want to know who thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Who was like, hey. Let's have AI write a bunch of sports stories because we are hemorrhaging money and we don't care anymore. And then we'll make fake profile pages to make it look all real. Like who? Like how many people did this have to go through for it to like be like cleared that this is cool to do? It doesn't make any sense to me. Somebody had to, somebody had to have had the wherewithal to step in and be like, uh, "This is a very bad idea." Yeah, and again, I can't remember the name of the company that that bought them, but it's it's one of those companies that's known for they like buy companies. And then they basically gut them out, fire a bunch of people, and they hide. They, they have like very small staffs that are overworked and do a bunch of stuff. And um, yeah, it's just basically that. they're not good to work for. And basically look for every cost cutting turn around the corner, including doing stuff like this. So yeah. Sports Illustrated, what once was a great company, is now falling off. Yeah. To say the least. It's just sad, man. I guess that's what happens when you hire Pat Forty. All right. He's uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Who? This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Chiefs recap against the Raiders next. About half past four, this is RCST on KLWN. We've still got our uh, NFL Monday overreactions, some more K football talk, and some Lance Leipold Bill Self audio to come at you later throughout the show. Before we get into our Chiefs recap, some quarterback news, the first of which comes from uh, a quarterback who just defeated Kansas about a week and a half ago. Will Howard is transferring out of the program officially for Kansas State. Who? Will Howard, <laughs> the guy who called Kansas little brother after he beat him last Saturday. Oh. An enemy. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So he's transferring. There's a lot of rumors going around that he is set up to go to Notre Dame, which we'll see there. Yeah. That's interesting. I and just, they're losing Sam Hartman. I just feel like Notre Dame could do better. I think Will Howard. I think Will Howard's better than you do, so... I don't know. Maybe don't, maybe that'll be the ultimate test if he does well or not at, at Notre I Dame. I don't think he's bad. I just you think, I think he's, he's above a, average. I think he's an above I think average. He's good. I not, think he's an above yeah. average quarterback with the ceiling of being really good, but he doesn't play to that ceiling very often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when see. he does, they win a Big Twelve title. Mm-hmm. But when he doesn't, they can't beat Iowa State at home. But yeah, they're very very interesting. I don't know that it's a surprise necessarily because Avery Johnson. Yeah, it's hard to tell that kid like, hey, you're going to sit for one more year. You yeah. know. Avery Johnson is going to be very good, I think, for Kansas State. But anyway, uh, the other quarterback news, this is Kansas-related. Isaiah Marshall, who is their four-star recruit in the class of 2024. I don't won, it, I don't think he's officially four-star, is he? Uh, I think on one site he's four-star, one site he's I think 24-7 I think he's three-star. 24-7 three him as a three. And on rivals he is a four-star. Mm. Could be wrong okay. with that. Maybe he got moved around. 
I know at one point he was a four-star. I guess he's a three-star now in Rivals. Whatever. I don't care. He's a four-star in my mind. Who cares? He's really good. Honestly, after this performance... He probably should be a four-star. Might move up to a four-star. He anyway, his team to a state title. Yeah, he led his team in uh, Michigan to a state title, and they were playing against a team who had won like some insane winning streak, like 30 straight games or something like that. Uh, they were undefeated. And the, the team they were playing, also in addition to that, has the number one overall player in the class of 2025 who was their quarterback. Isaiah Marshall won the game. He had the game-winning touchdown. Uh, I saw some of the highlights. Live arm, yeah. really mobile, really good in the open field. I mean, I don't, know if, exciting I don't know if you've looked at his high school stats recently, but it's Bonkers. it is insane what he's doing. And so he has the stats. And again, as you alluded to, he also passes the eye test. So he seems like a guy that... KU fans should be very, very excited is coming into the fold. Uh, and, and and furthermore, think about it this way. You bring him in, he's going to have a chance to sit behind Jalen Daniels and learn from Jalen Daniels, right, which should be huge for a guy like that. Yeah, I, I don't know how accurate or updated these stats are, uh, but this is from one site, the D zone. Uh, it has him at the what, the uh, what zone? Detroit zone, I don't know. Uh, he has him at uh, 3,000. Passing yards with 39 touchdowns and 1,500 rushing yards with 16 touchdowns. So, 4,500 yards with 55 touchdowns on a state-winning team. That's pretty good. That's good. So, yeah, Kansas is good. And even though they'll be losing Jason Bean at the end of the year, you have Jalen Daniels back, you'll have Isaiah Marshall, you have Cole Ballard back, so you feel pretty good about the quarterback room next year. All right, uh, you know what else you feel good about? The Chiefs beating the Raiders. I do feel good about that. Didn't feel yeah. great about the start, though. I did. You so felt great. I didn't feel great, okay. but when they were you down, felt 14, great that they were still going to win. When the Chiefs were down fourteen nothing, I sat back in my chair and I thought, the Chiefs are going to win and they are going to cover. It was what? It was fourteen nothing. They were out yarded at one point. It was like one hundred and thirty to zero. One <laughs> I mean, point toward the end of the first. I mean, Aiden O'Connell and Jacoby Myers looked like prime Tom Brady to Randy <laughs> yeah, really Moss. For like, yeah, for like you would have thought that drives. Jacoby Myers switched jerseys with Devontae Adams <laughs> just on his own team. Yeah, craziness, craziness. But yeah. As always, the Raiders raided, and the Chiefs turned it on and figured it out. Well, and it felt like uh, there were a couple decisions by Antonio Pierce that he could have almost delivered a kill shot. I don't know. Even even if they go for that fourth down and they score and it's 21 nothing, you still don't knock the Chiefs out because they were down 17 nothing to the Raiders last year in the Monday Night Football game and ended up coming back to win. But um, that was an interesting decision to go for the field goal there, and then they missed the short field goal. So that that didn't help obviously uh honestly the big storyline from the game outside of the Chiefs coming back to win was that the Rashi Rice breakout game like is is this what we're going to see from Rashi Rice the rest of the season that he is going to be a stud that he's going to be a terror for opposing defenses yeah I don't know that he's going to be like wide receiver one levels but this but is do you see big improvement oh, yeah. from where he was the first whatever x games yeah sure yeah and and he's I think it's been more of a steady improvement I mean he's steadily been doing more and more of that Maybe not to that scale, but, you know, run after the catch, making plays with the ball in his hands. You know, another guy who did a lot of that was Sky Moore. Mm -hmm. Sky Moore had a couple of nice plays where he got the ball in his hands and made some guys miss as well. Uh, so, yeah, going into the game, no McCole Hardman, Kadarius Tony probably not going to play. I don't even think he played at all. Was he out for the game? I don't Tony know. and Hardman were both yeah, out. So yeah. both were out. So going into it, you're thinking, hey, you don't feel great. But uh, they stepped up. Justin Watson gets a touchdown. By the way, Justin Watson talking – Talking crap after they scores a touchdown, I was like, "Bro, you're you're Mr. Penn. You're supposed to be buttoned <laughs> up, you know, all business." I think I don't know, maybe not. So that was pretty cool. Travis Kelsey does does did what he always does to the Raiders, which is get a lot of yards. So that was cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, 
Rushy Rice. Again, I don't know that he's going to be wide receiver one, but he, that listen, the biggest thing for Rushy Rice, and the biggest thing for even like a Sky Moore, which I know a lot of people out on Sky Moore already, but mm. the biggest thing for those guys is if you're playing well and playing with confidence at the right time, then stuff that happened in October, stuff that happened in September, that does not matter. Okay, if you're playing well and playing with confidence at the right time, that would be my, my message. If I'm Andy Reid, is listen, hey, who cares, man? We're we're sitting in a position where we're still going to be the number one seed, uh, or I don't know. I, I think technically the Ravens are the number one seed because they've played 12 games. They haven't had a bye yet. I don't yeah, think. but you're sitting in a position where you're more than likely going to be right there for the number one seed. Man, who cares? Who cares that you sucked in September and October? If you're playing well and you're playing with confidence in December and January, that those are that's when it matters most. Right, and we've even seen that from this Chiefs wide receiver core previously. I mean, MVS had the game of his career in the game when it mattered most—the AFC title game. So who? I mean, who cares? Who cares if these guys suck for a while? You still want? You still managed to win a bunch of games. You're still going to be in right there for the number one seed. Oh, and by the way, there's not a single team on your schedule for the rest of the season that is over 500. If you're the Chiefs. The Bills were the last team on their schedule with over 500 record. They lost. They're six and six. So you've got no team on your schedule that's over 500 remaining. I don't believe right now, except for well, the Broncos might be now with their, with their yeah, win. Are they over? Okay, so yeah. the, wait, no, you played the Broncos twice. You're good. Oh yeah, yeah. Never mind. Good point. Played them twice in three weeks. So yeah, there's no teams left on your schedule that are over 500. So guess what? That should equal 14 and three or 12 and four at the worst. Well, certainly. Or, I, guess, when, I mean, you look so at like the Ravens schedule. Or, yeah, 14 and three. Or theirs three. is tough. Thirteen and four. Uh, Jags still have to play the Ravens. Ravens still have to play them, and and obviously the 49ers and, and some of their divisional foes. So yeah, when you look at the race for the one seed, it's very tight right now. But you do have the advantage of that schedule. And if Rashi Rice plays like that the rest of the season, it's going to be such a huge advantage. It's going to open up Travis Kelsey. I mean, that's just what you were looking for. I almost wonder, in a weird way, if having those receiver injuries was a blessing in disguise. It allowed you to shorten the receiver rotation and be like, hey, we have to depend on you guys to step up because we can't rotate these guys in. And in a weird way, maybe that is what kind of unlocks things here with Rashi Rice here. Maybe, yeah. Beyond that, defense stays really good. I mean, early on, like you said, it, it they was— were, They were getting carved. They were yeah. doing whatever, but you end up giving up, what, 17 I mean, points The Raiders' the game. first drive was like maybe their best drive ever. <laughs> it was insane. And then from there— And that was all yeah. they had. Third, second had. quarter on, it, it was kind of gone. Credit for Legereus Sneed, how well he's I mean, Trent McDuffie yeah. is looking like an, an all-pro corner right now. Legereus Sneed's looking like a Pro Bowl-level corner. And I kind of thought about it because they showed the one graphic at the one point where it was like most penalized players in the NFL. Juwan Taylor was up there, and Legereus Sneed was up well, there. Juwan Taylor's number one, three. by the way. He's yeah, he one. was number one, and Legereus Sneed was was uh, tied hey, second, I guess. Right? Cost of doing business. It is. But I, I thought about this, and I, I'm almost surprised more corners don't do this. Legereus Sneed is the press Virginia, West Virginia basketball of corners. Remember the prime days of press Virginia? They played so hard, so physically, defensively impressed you that basically they were like, hey, we're going give, to give up some fouls, but we're going to almost tempt the ref or we're going to almost test the ref to be like, you're not going to call it every time. You're not going to call foul every time. We'll get some reach-in calls. We'll get some calls we don't like. But, like, you're not going to call it every time, despite how physically we play. That's how Legereus Sneed plays. He has a bunch of penalties, but it's like he plays so physically and he plays so close that it's like, yeah, I'll get a, I'll get a penalty every game. I'll get a pass interference once a game. But, like, the, the, the end result is I'm going to hold A.J. Brown 
90 yards below his his average. I'm going to hold Devontae Adams below his average. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, I'm going to hold these guys below their average, and even if I give up one pass interference, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, he's been very, very impressive. And, you know, the most underrated part of uh, Trent McDuffie is that dude is so good at when they scheme up blitzes for him. So good. Mm-hmm. So good at blitzing in. And and I think he has five forced fumbles on the air, I believe, which is just remarkable. I think it leads the, the NFL. Yeah. There was yeah. one play in particular that I wanted to touch on where – it was the greatest blitz design I've ever seen in my entire life. It was awesome. It was like Legereus Sneed on a late loop around, and it totally, completely ruined the play for the Raiders. And Aiden O'Connell was in a blender. He had no idea what was going on. He was getting sacked from all sides. It was just, it was, it was, it was art. I was watching art unfold. It was awesome. So Steve Spagnolo, man, that dude is absolutely cooking right now. And uh, yeah, the Chiefs defense is, is playing really, really well. I, I, nobody's really mentioned this, but and I don't think this is true either, but I just wanted to float it out there just in case. Is it possible the Chiefs defense is 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 peaking or has peaked too early? Is there any chance they could go down? Now, the flip, the flip side of that conversation is Steve Spagnuolo coach defenses tend to get better over the course of the season. So the fact that they're already at this level, you don't think that's going to happen, but I don't know. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek By Johnson. the way, Bills have a bye this week. They are 1 billion percent beating the Chiefs next week well the the biggest thing going for the bills coming into that game so the chiefs this week are gonna play the, the packers, packers and then they have the bills packers are, are hot right now by the way so that actually might be a decent game um sunday night football but the basically that chiefs bills game is going to come down the to bills the bills season. are the the whole season not just because it's usually such a big deal for them to beat the chiefs but also because literally it is their season yes. which means for the chiefs that game becomes super important because you have the kill shot you have the kill shot for the bills you beat the bills in two weeks they're six and seven they make what? the playoffs. It's not going to happen. The Bills are going to beat the Chiefs. Yeah. Easily. We have you it, though. Clears one AFC contender, I guess, if you can win that yeah, game. Yeah, by the way, my Bengals take. I mean, it's not it's your full Burrow. Burrow got yeah. Hurt. Yeah. yeah. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. NFL Monday Overreactions. Next, this is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We're about a quarter till five. We'll get into some more KU football talk, and uh, we will also get into some KU football and KU basketball audio coming out through the rest of the show. Uh, Before we get to any of that, though, it's time for our NFL Monday overreactions. We haven't done this in a bit. We haven't had a chance to overreact very much uh, over the past couple weeks. Had to overreact on other stuff. There's been a lot of stuff going on. I know. It's a busy time. Busy time of year. Uh, okay, so we just ended our last segment with the Chiefs, talking about a little bit about the Bills there. Bills lose in overtime against the Eagles. Buffalo Bills, they're 6-6. Six and six. More importantly, they're dead, mm. done, toasted, cooked, washed, ruined. Fill well, in the blank. Okay, so, so I mean, it was, it was a great game, and they clearly showed they were By a way, good enough team. One quick thing I just want to mention here. Mm-hmm. Chiefs beat the Bills in overtime in the playoffs. All the Josh Allen fans cried, Josh Allen never got the ball, never got the ball in overtime. Wah, wah. They changed the rule. You know what Josh Allen's record is in overtime? He's like 0-6. He's 0-6. Yeah. He hasn't won a single overtime game. They got the ball Does first. Doesn't matter if he gets the ball or not. He loses because he ball first. sucks. They got he the ball first. stinks. Didn't He's matter. terrible. He's horrible. Oh, but change the rule. Change the rule. Why? So a guy can go 0-6 in overtime? What a joke, man. He's trash. He sucks. Okay, that is an overreaction. Um, 
He has been overrated. I will give you that. The the amount of turnovers has been problematic. So right now the the Bills sitting at six and six. The wild cards in the AFC are the Steelers at seven and four. The Browns at seven and four. The Colts are six and five. And then you have the Texans and Broncos both at six and five. Broncos have the tiebreaker. Bills are six and six. So I mean the Bills are not out of this. They're they're still half a game back, right? So like they could clearly make the playoffs. They are not dead. But if they lose the Chiefs game, I think they are. Uh, here's here's the remaining schedule. They have at Kansas City, Dallas That's at home. W. That's a loss. At the Chargers. W. Patriots at home. W. Gigantic W. And at Miami. Question. Probably a loss. I don't know. Maybe though. I don't know. So here's here's the thing. If you lose to the Chiefs, that'd be your seventh loss. You will probably lose one of the Cowboys Dolphins. You would think. So eight losses, <laughs> I don't think gets you in. If you beat the Chiefs, if you only lose one between Cowboys and Dolphins. Ten and seven puts you on the borderline. Yeah. So I don't think they're dead yet. Dude, but it'd be it is, it so is very hilarious close. if if the Bills miss the playoffs because of the Broncos and the Colts. That would be crazy. And, and I mean, the Colts have been just weirdly good. By the way, if I go by point differential in the NFL this season, here's a fun little exercise. Do you want to guess the top five in the NFL in point differential? Oh, I, the Bills are aren't they? Are they one? They're not one. Bills are four. Okay, they're four. Well, because the Bills, I know they're really big. I'm guessing one is the Ravens. Ravens are three. Really? They're plus one thirty-seven. The Bills are plus one hundred one. Wow, I thought I thought the Ravens would be one. So is one. You should, the, you, you'll know who number one is. Is one the? Oh, it's the Cowboys. Yes, because okay, they beat okay, up yeah, on yeah, yeah, okay, all yeah. the bad teams. Cowboys uh, are they're one. plus one sixty-two. So they're missing I, I'm two and five. The Niners must be two. Niners are two plus one forty. Number five, they did most of this in one game. Oh, the Dolphins. Yeah, they're plus eighty-eight, and then the Chiefs are six. The the Eagles are seven. So okay, I don't know. Yeah, do with that what you will. No, I think yeah, slight the Bills, overreaction, but it's closer than you think. I don't think it's a reaction at all. But well, I actually I do think it's a reaction. But if the you Bills think are going to be the Chiefs, the Chiefs. No, they're yeah. going to beat the Chiefs. Then, then you don't. They, think they're they're, they're I would I would wager everything I have on them beating the Chiefs. Okay, <laughs> they're going to beat the Chiefs. Probably be able to get plus money on that. <laughs> all right, Devonta Smith, he should win a second Heisman for what he did helping Mac Jones at Alabama. To where Mac Jones is now as bad as he is. Yeah, I mean, Mac, he helped get Mac Jones uh, a first-round pick, and uh, obviously part of that was was that entire Alabama receiving core led by Devontae Smith. He was so bad well, against the Giants. You know, the narrative with Alabama quarterbacks for a long time was kind of this narrative of, like, you know, Greg McElroy, A.J. McCarron, like, just regular guys. Regular dudes. Regular dudes. Jake that, Poker. That, are you know, have five-star talent everywhere else. But th- Mac Jones has taken that to an extreme. He has. He went 12 of 21 for 89 yards with two interceptions, a 7.2 QBR. He now has 10 touchdowns to 12 interceptions this year. He's just bad. I, I don't even so know though what, what happened because he was like it. decent as a rookie. Why did, why did they keep starting him just to bench him? Well, they went to Bailey Zappi, and he was just as bad. I, I think it's more <laughs> of a problem of just like they have uh, they just have horrible quarterbacks. And I, I don't know what it is. Is Bill Belichick going to retire? I... Or I guess is it, uh, is it an overreaction to say that he should retire? No, I think he probably should. Okay. Why would you want to stain your legacy with how good you've been? Well, I was about to say, I mean, think about it. The narrative already had kind of turned into Tom Brady made Bill Belichick. Right. And the more years that Bill Belichick sucks, the more that narrative becomes reality. Yeah. I uh, I would probably retire if I were him or at <laughs> least take another job. See, if you're if you're Bob Kraft, like like Bob you're Kraft, hoping you he retires. Or exactly, steps down. you can't fire him, can you? I mean, you could. I mean, I know you can, but like, 
Can you? You know what I mean? <laughs> you I mean know Tom what I mean? Landry was fired, wasn't he? From from Dallas? He was like their legendary I coach. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Uh, overreaction, oh. but yeah, Mac Jones is really bad. All right, well, uh, go from one bad quarterback to another. Is Tim Boyle the worst quarterback that has ever started an NFL game ever? Wow, ever. So this is tough. I, I at some at times ponder why certain teams have quarterbacks like a Tim Boyle well, on the roster. Well, just Tim Boyle because of Aaron Rodgers. No, I know, but I mean, like, you're telling me there's not a better guy that, like, okay, Tim Boyle in college. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, he, he had one touchdown to thirteen <laughs> interceptions. <laughs> one touchdown to thirteen interceptions. At what? He was at what? UConn? Connecticut. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. UConn. Yeah. How does that happen? He I mean, was so bad they canceled their program. How? <laughs> That's why they're like, well, I can't watch Tim Boyle anymore. We gotta, we gotta, so, we gotta do something. It was so bad they showed up their program. I don't understand. And and here's, it, it maddens me that there are certain NFL teams that are like, you know what? Instead of getting like a good player as their backup, let's just get someone who's not going to cause any issues with the locker room or with our starting quarterback. Like, I get that to a certain extent. Yes, maybe don't get, go out there and get a guy who's going to cause problems for it. But, like, there is a level there. Don't just get the guy who's a good hang. I, he might be. He might be. I, without going into history and looking at every he, single he might starting be great quarterback. At parties. He might, Tim Boyle might be great at parties. I probably could not tell you another quarterback who had one touchdown to 13 interceptions in college who is yeah. now a starting quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Even listen, for a game. the Chiefs had a bad run of quarterbacks, but... Not that bad. No, I don't know if they were ever that bad. No. There are a lot of bad quarterbacks, though. It's yeah. kind of wild. The disparity between the top and the bottom is probably bigger than it's ever been, I would think, in terms of quarterback talent. Mm-hmm. Like, if you don't have a top 10 quarterback, you have a bottom <laughs> quarterback. He's not great. He sucks. <laughs> yeah. All right. The Colts, they're a threat in the AFC, a legitimate threat mm. in the AFC playoffs. Is that well, an overreaction? They would scare me in a wild card game or, or a divisional round game against the Chiefs just from the pure notion of we have seen weird things happen between the Colts and the Chiefs. Whether That's it was true. last year in the regular season, whether it was... 2012, or Yeah, you go back to tw- the, the crazy comeback. You go back to the late 90s when the Chiefs um, lose the game to, to the Colts. Like, the Colts have just weirdly had the Chiefs number Didn't in, in some of these Didn't they almost beat the Chiefs games. in Arrowhead a couple years ago, too? Uh, they did beat him in Arrowhead on like it was like oh, one, yeah, I do remember that. it was the it was the lowest that Patrick Mahomes had scored in his first like two years or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just do weird things against the Chiefs, so that would scare me. But like, do I actually take them as a real threat to like winning the AFC or winning the Super Bowl? No. I don't know, man. Gardner Minshew, Minshew Mania. Is Minshew Mania coming back? Maybe a little. I mean, he's been good for them. The running game is good. The defense is some has been team going to pay Gardner Minshew a lot of money? Mm, it's possible if they go if they win a playoff game. Yes, would you agree with that? Like if they win yeah. a playoff game where he well, goes already, off, they, they were already six and five, way better than anybody thought they were going to be. I know. I still don't even know if I believe they're going to make the playoffs at the end of the day. Do you? Mm, yeah, I mean, I don't know, but like, well, let's let's look at it this way. Right now, it's the Colts and. You listed it. The Colts, the Broncos, and who else is there? Colts, Broncos, Colts, Bills. Broncos are there. Bills are there. Um, but, like, right now they're the seventh seed. I would put the Colts on the same tier as the Broncos. So, if the Broncos are in position to possibly make the playoffs, then why can't the Colts? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I just, I, it's hard to see the sustained success. Like, it's not like, I don't know, man. 
I, I don't know what it is. It feels yeah, like it the Browns scare me against the Chiefs. It feels like the Browns are done. Browns are done. So now that seventh spot okay. is Colts, so Broncos. They're going to make playoffs and beat the Chiefs in the division round. Well, they're not going to play if they're the, the seventh seed. Right. Maybe. Unless the Chiefs are not the ones. The Chiefs are the two seed. That would suck. Maybe they get the one. That would play suck. the Colts in the wild card. That'd be a disaster. That, that, that would suck. Yeah. That would suck. All right. Uh, hey, the Broncos. Speaking of the Broncos. Mm. I know I just said that I put them on the same tier as the Colts, but are they maybe better? Are they maybe in the top five, top ten teams in the league right now? Um, Right now, the way they're playing, they've won five straight. So if you're just talking hottest teams in the NFL, Listen, they would have to be in the conversation. I feel kind of gross saying this, but earlier in the year, I said that Russ is low-key cooking, and you tried to say that he wasn't. He's not. So you're I'm still sticking by you, that. He's not. That he's not cooking. So I, there was this. Uh, How can he not be cooking? They're winning games. Because it's not about him. It's it's not despite him. It's not to that level. He's just there. He's like a game manager. He's been <laughs> fine. He's been fine. You look at the stats, to your point, on Russ Wilson, and they do look good. Because you look at the stats and you just see the touchdown to interceptions and you see a guy who's completing 68% of his passes with 20 touchdowns of four picks. And it'd That's be like, good. That is good. That is good. But so he's, he's also it. averaging 199 yards per game. Who cares? He also has a 54.4 QBR, which is not very good. He also is, when you look at some of the passing charts for guys who are taking the most, like, shots downfield and being aggressive, he's, like, at the very bottom. So he's just taking checkdowns. He's taking easy passes. He's not turning the ball over. He's playing game manager. Captain checkdown, Russell Wilson. So, like, I don't think, again, like, he's doing a good job at being game manager, but, like, I don't think he's playing that well. This is more about some of the other stuff for me. Like, the running game has gotten going for them. The defense is picking it up. And the main thing is just the turnovers, man. Like, are they I, – I don't know how real this is because the turnovers are incredible. So you look to their five-game winning streak. They have forced 16 turnovers over the last five games. Well, they, I mean, they got, what, five from the Chiefs <laughs> or four from the Chiefs? Five from the Chiefs yeah, five and from four the Chiefs. against the Bills. <laughs> they have turned the ball over three times. So they are plus 13 in five weeks. That's pretty good. Teams might not be – like a good team is plus 13 for a season. Yeah. You know? Like, that'll be one of the top five of the season. So that feels a little bit fluky to me. They're playing good ball. They're being competitive in a lot of ways. Like, the fact that they beat the Browns by as much as they did is a good thing for them. I mean, the Browns, are, Walker. the Browns are dead now, I think. But, yeah, I, I still am not buying into the Broncos being even a top 10 team right now. Uh, but wow. the next three games will be good determining and factor. And you thought they were going to win a billion games last year. Last year, yeah. I, I'm not a believer anymore. Uh, at Houston, wow. at Chargers, at Lions. If they go 2-1 and one in that stretch... I might start believing. You so go one and two. Eight and six. Yeah. But here's the other problem. Their final three games are the Patriots, Chargers at home at Raiders. That should be three and so oh. Even if they go one and two there, they'd be seven and seven. They go three and oh, ten and seven, they're in the playoffs. So I don't know. I, I, I'm not buying into it. Yeah, I mean, the Browns, dead. Chargers, dead. Bengals, dead. Bills, life support. So I mean we I mean then you start around a team. You think who 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 else can make it hit? It's got to be the Broncos. Isn't it crazy how all offseason we talked about how deep the AFC was and how many great quarterbacks there are? And part of it's because of injury. But, like, we've gotten to a point now where it's like, I don't know who the last know, two teams are going to be the, in the playoffs. I mean, is the top of the NFC better than the top of the AFC? It might be at this point, which is crazy how quickly things shifted around. All right, speaking of the top of the NFC, are the Philadelphia Eagles a bad 10-1 and team? Mm. They're a bad 10-1, te- but they're bad. I love this whenever we get like a, like I remember it happened a couple of years ago. The Steelers started like ten and zero or something. Yeah, I didn't and remember. Everybody's that. like, it's the worst ten and zero team of all time. 
And I always thought that was such a dumb, funny conversation because it was like, who cares? They're 10-0, and 0, you know? <laughs> it's like the list of teams who are 10-0, and 0, like who cares if you're best or worst? See, this it's goes like, back to it's my, like being like you're the worst Super Bowl well, this winner. This goes who back cares? to my Chiefs conversation, right? Who the hell cares if you sucked in September and October? If you're still the one seed in December and January, who cares? Yeah. Not me. Uh, but anyway, despite kind of the, the funny parts of it, um, it's hard to say. I don't think they're the worst, but I'll say this: even though they're ten and one, I think last year's Eagles beat this year's Eagles by seven to ten points. Mm, I think last maybe. year's Eagles were better. Um, last year's the sack numbers were. Well, off it doesn't the make any sense year. how it feels like their defense is better, but somehow not at the same time. Right, because they're better <laughs> against the run. But and it feels like they have a billion pass rushers, but last year they, like, broke records with yes. sacks. This year they've just been a fine sack team. Yeah. Like, you look at DVOA right now, they're 16th in the NFL in defense. Yeah. I don't know if it's the back end or what. They're 8th overall on, on DVOA. So, like, you go back to last year, okay, they're 8th, they're, uh, what did I say, 7th on offense, 16th on defense. Yeah. Last year they were 3rd on offense, 3rd on defense. You know? I don't know. Yeah. Like, I feel like they're worse than they were last well, I mean, year. We, I mean, the- we talked about it after the Chiefs-Eagles game. Like the, it, it, Watching the game, you came away from it thinking the Chiefs are way the better. better. Team. Like, and honestly, way better. watching the Bills game, I kind of came away from it being like the Bills were the better team today. Now, over the course of the season, Eagles have been the better team. But today, I was like, the Bills have been the better team. They, they missed like a, a short field goal or it was blocked or whatever. Like they had a couple weird things happen. They, they Josh beat, Allen stinks. And th- I think that's what it is. I don't think the Eagles are a bad 10-1 team. They're, they're still really good. They could still win the Super Bowl. It's just that I feel like they're not deserving of being 10-1. It's that I feel like they're closer to being – like because where they are at 10-1 is that they are ahead of everybody else by two games or more. And that makes it sound like they're way ahead of the pack. They're not. In reality, I view them as neck and neck with the pack. Like, yeah, they're, they they're on the same tier as the Niners, game. same tier as yeah. the Cowboys, same tier as the Chiefs. Exactly. Yeah. And I think tier. that's where it is. All right, that's our NFL Monday overreactions. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. More KU football talk, some audio as well, coming up in the 5 o'clock hour on KLWN, depending on it. 5 o'clock hour, you're listening to RCST on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Continue on with our KU football takeaways. Kansas beats Cincinnati 49-16. to Dominant win to finish out the season. Finish the year 8-4, and four, their most wins since the uh, inside bowl season in 2008. Uh, as we do on Mondays after KU football games, our KU football takeaways, what was your biggest positive from KU's win over the Bearcats? Man, I mean, biggest positive has got to be Jason Bean, right? I, I, I just sat back watching that game and thinking – how much turmoil Jason Bean has faced, whether it was, you know, and how much, uh, uh, you know, how much uncertainty he's faced, whether it's been week to week, is he going to be the starter or not? You know, at least from the exterior, you know, maybe it's not so much in, internally, but, and to, to his journey as a Jayhawk, you know, where didn't win a lot to start a season, was thrown into a tough situation. Then last season, you know, comes in for, comes in for Jalen Daniels, gets the win to get to bowl eligibility, and, but still probably, you know, there were some games in there that maybe KU could have won, when which you know he didn't quite get him there, but got him to bowl eligibility. Then the bowl game and how it ended, you know, a disappointing way to end. And then a guy that, at that time, walking off that field, December twenty eighth, twenty twenty, or whatever date, twenty eighth, I think, December twenty eighth, twenty twenty two. Jason Bean, walking off that field in Memphis, expecting that to be the last time he plays or organized football at that point. Mm-hmm. I think right. And for him to come from that mindset to now where he's 
where he is now and what he has done and what he's meant to this KU football program. And, you know, credit to the staff for, for, ha- for talking to him and, and, you know, saying, hey, you know, we need you. And it turns out not, they absolutely needed him. I mean, they absolutely needed him. And for him to come back and do what he's done and continuously play games where you walk away from that game thinking, man, you know, that, that guy Jason Bean, he, he played a really good game, maybe one of his best games. And you can say that about multiple games this season that he's played in. And to have the, the guts and the sang to go out and win a game like Oklahoma. What was that word? sang Never heard what that. What is that? It's like, uh, you know, fortitude. Words like no, that. No, no, You never heard that before? Come on. on. Monday? Come on. To go out and through, <laughs> through the choppy waters off. of the Oklahoma game, still find a way to win, then play his best game maybe ever on the road against Iowa State, and then follow it up by playing maybe his best game ever on the road against Cincinnati. I mean, two of his best games of his career have both been road games now, probably. And look at how he played against Oklahoma State, too. That was one of his best games. So, uh, just just incredible stuff from Jason Bean. I couldn't be happier for him. And I'm so happy, mo- most most of all, that the the Jayhawk fan base has, has fully now rallied behind him. You know, he was a guy that maybe was a, a little bit of a point of contention among some Jayhawk fans because of kind of the ups and downs of his career, but... Now he's got everyone's support, and he fully deserves it for what he's been through, for what he's stuck it out through, and how he's played. It's just just remarkable. And now this is a guy that I mean, we just had a conversation. We just had a conversation earlier in the show about his him possibly playing in the NFL when it felt like after Liberty Bowl he was done playing football forever. Truly remarkable. And again, to cap that all off with the way he played against Cincinnati, just phenomenal stuff. Mine is just in general the bounce back that you showed coming off of moments that it would be easy to have a letdown of this season. And this was the final stamp of it. You win 49-16. to 16. KU finished this year 3-1 and one coming off a loss. You go back to last season. Things snowballed a bit at the end of the year, right? Kept losing games um, after an unbelievable start. Didn't happen this year. 3-1 and one off a loss. And when you look at the biggest moments that KU could have easily had letdowns, where they had a big moments, whether it was good or bad, that could have led to an emotional draining into the next week. It was the Iowa State game after the Oklahoma game, and then it was this game after the K-State game. Both of them came on the road. You won both of them. That was, I think, really impressive. And I think beyond that, I just realized this, now that we're talking, KU won two Big 12 road games. First time since the Orange Bowl season, 2007. Yeah. Because Cincinnati and Iowa State. Yep, Cincinnati and Iowa State, yeah. So I guess next year we can go into it and be like, maybe they can win two or three Big 12 road games, right? Which they're going to need to because next year you're going to play more road games than home games in the Big 12. Yeah, and my thought process of, uh, can I pick Kansas to win it on the road? That's dissolved away. That's gone Yeah, because they've shown they can. Feel a little bit better after uh, this season. What is your biggest negative from the game? I mean, it's hard to pick out negatives from uh, from a game where where you play like this. I guess, but again, this doesn't even apply anymore because the season's over and you're going to be playing on neutral field in your <clears throat> in your bowl game. Another slow start on the road, though. I mean, that's a pretty big negative in my eyes. That you know, there's only so many. I mentioned it earlier in the show, but you look at the Oklahoma State game, and that slow start kind of ultimately cost you. And this was a game where you started slow, but Cincinnati just maybe wasn't good enough to fully take advantage of that. But that's a negative for me. That's a negative. You you want to you want to start strong on the road, especially. But again, doesn't matter now. Your last game is neutral site, which I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, you don't you don't want that to carry over. But that was probably my, my biggest negative. I mean, 
Jason Bean, 99.5 QPR, obviously not a negative. Devin Neal, over 10 yards of carry, not a negative. I guess maybe Daniel Highshaw fumble. That was a negative. Be, yeah. Your receiving core was, was great. It's back. The yeah. fumbling issues might be back. Your receiving core was great. The defense was, was good. Slow start again, though. That's a negative for me. Yeah, I think that's a good one to take away. Uh, maybe the run defense. Corey Kiner at 18 for 106. But he's a good running back. He is. He's he is. Sneaky, he is. Yeah. sneaky. No, good they, running I, back. I think they came in fifth Over in the Big yards. 12 in yards per carry. Emory yeah. Jones had 61. Uh, Ryan Montgomery had 49. Oh, as a team, they had 42 carries for 231. Um, yeah, I guess stopping the quarterback run. Yeah, maybe just in general, the, the lack of disruptive plays. KU had zero sacks, zero tackles for loss. Like to see that number go up. Those would probably be the biggest negatives of the game, I guess. What was the biggest neutral of the game? Hmm. Biggest neutral. This one's always the toughest one to figure out. I've I've actually got one for this week, though. Okay, you go first. I think it's the offensive line for okay. KU. Not in that they they like I thought the offensive line played well. Uh but you look at some of the pro football focus grades, it was just kind of a an average week for them. A whole hum. And when you look so at it, they had injuries, right? I mean, uh our Marjorie Adams had to start at right tackle for Bryce Cable do. I think some of the guys who did start were banged up. Like, Mike Nowitzki's kind of been banged up all season long. Yeah. And it was a really good game for you in terms of your offense. You threw for 250, ran for 312. A big part of that is the offensive line playing well. But because they had some of the injuries, um, because, I don't know, some of the things you kind of had to deal with there, maybe more of a neutral? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Could you say... I don't know, man. I mean... Special teams? But, yeah, but they didn't They didn't attempt a field goal. I know. They didn't really do much good. <laughs> they didn't really do much bad. It was just there. It was neutral. You know, like... Yeah. Damon uh, Riggs didn't have a great punting game. He had that one really short punt, but he had another one that was know. inside the 20. Um, was the biggest neutral... field goal. The, Jared Casey had a nice kick return. The Skyline Chili versus whatever other chili they did. They, they did the state <laughs> test in the broadcast. Is that the biggest neutral? Yes. Uh, biggest neutral, not knowing <laughs> what the bowl game is yet. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, uh, when you have biggest a game neutral, like this, Lance yelling at the refs because it. Okay, actually, I do want to talk. Entertaining. I, I, I do want to talk know. about this for a second. I mentioned this to you off air. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen Lance Leipold during a game with any other facial expression other than one of pure anger and disdain and frowning? Because I haven't. That dude is chronically angry all the he's time. He's just coaching. He's focused. He's just so angry. Dude, okay, he gets the unsportsmanlike, and then they go back. Well, first of all, should, okay, let's talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Should they not have picked that up, the unsportsmanlike flag? Because it resulted in them going back and, and actually reviewing something, and, it, and they changed it. Um, should they not have picked that flag up? No, because there's, there's ways you can go about that without getting an unsportsmanlike, I think. So first of all, problem there maybe the biggest neutral is that i don't know but anyways yeah Lance Leipold, this dude is just he's just mad all the time <laughs> just always angry i mean i've never seen it before like i've i have how many times they cut to lance Leipold on the broadcast of every game i've ever watched for ku i've never once seen him smile or show any other emotion other than just anger frustration or just frowning just general like scowling i, I don't i don't I, it's, it's insane it's crazy i mean does he even like coaching? Does he even enjoy it? <laughs> he's he looks focused. like he hates it all the time. <laughs> no, he's just focused. He's mad at the refs, making the wrong call. That okay. That was that was pretty funny though, because it looked 
pretty clearly like he lost the ball, and then they called it a two-point conversion. And I, I get it. I understand why Lance Leipold got the unsportsmanlike. I mean, I don't know what he said, but then they go back and review it, and they, they end up changing it. So there you go. Yeah. Shut up the refs. But, yeah, Lance Leipold, man, I just want to see him smile. Just one time. I just want to, I just want in the middle of the game, I just want the broadcast camera to cut to Lance Leipold. I want him to look directly into the camera and just give a little smile. That's all I want. That's all I'm asking. Gives you a wink and a smile. That's all I want. Because dude, every other time they show him, he's just he's just stomping around on the sideline like a. That's kind of the job of the coach. You know, <clears throat> I don't know. Do you see many coaches doing that stuff all the time? Every single play, every single game. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Okay, what is your uh, KU play of the game? I think there's a good amount that we could go with here. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Kobe Bryant pick. That was pretty awesome. That, that's the the biggest one. That one probably ended up being the choice here. Yeah. Because it, it's not Both just of, how but, incredible the play was and how much talent and it skill. Kinda it kind of came at an important moment. It did. They were down 3 nothing, and that kind of kick-started things. Yeah, you needed a spark. Yeah. Uh, I think either one of the Jason Bean touchdown runs. Awesome. Those were awesome, and those kind of were the I mean, you just uh, blow by guys. seal the game, kind yeah. of put it away. The Devin Neal touchdown run out of the Wildcat, also awesome, because yeah. he was literally untouched for 30 yards. The uh, the the Immediately after the interception by Kobe Bryant, Jason Bean hit a long ball to Luke Grimm. That was important to keep the momentum going, and it was a great throw. It was a great catch. Um, the Mason Fairchild touchdown, just because it was so shocking how bad how wide open he was. How wide open he was. I mean, the first play of that drive where he hit Lawrence Arnold deep to kind of get the drive going, that that you can get some points there. Yeah. Um, Jared Casey returning a squib like twenty two yep, yards. That was to set cool. that drive up. I mean, that was just cool in general. <laughs> yeah. Anything the Jared Casey touchdown catch was really good too. Yeah. Which, yeah. by the way, I th- I find that fo- so funny that like Jason being. Though, like, one time that he'll... Not the one. I mean, quarterbacks throw into tight windows all the time. But, like, the times he most often throws into tight windows where a guy is, like, well defended is always Jared Casey, which is funny because he's, like, five foot ten. Do you think that's because he just he trusts Jared Casey? He knows that he I can mean, make those catches? made the great catch. Yes. Right? There is reason to do it. Which is why it's so frustrating that I just keep flashing back to that Texas Tech play. Yeah. Where that never happens. He catches that ball... Ten times out of ten, mm-hmm. and then the one time it gets ripped away with just a great defensive play so, on the interception. Yeah, man. So frustrating. Yeah, that one. That one would be up there too. I mean, there, there were just every time they needed to have kind of a big play, they kind of hit it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a lot of their touchdowns were big plays. Right. It has to be the Kobe Bryant though one, right? I would think so. Yeah. Just to be yeah. different, I'll pick the the Jason Bean touchdown run. Either one. Okay. Honestly, either one. That's they were both cool because in both of them. They were both kind of the same thing, where he just ran by guys like they were saying it still. All right, uh, one final thought here. If you had to guess, we'll get more into the bowl games tomorrow. Okay. But just one quick guess. What would be the guess of what bowl Kansas ends up playing? And what would be the bowl you're most hoping they end up playing in? Mm, I think they're most likely... I think they're most likely going to end up in guaranteed rate. Mm-hmm. Which is the one in Phoenix, Phoenix Arizona. Yep. It would be on December 26th at uh, 8 o'clock Central Time. Oh, did you check the time? Yeah, I was. I, I looked at the Wikipedia page and it said uh, 9 o'clock Mountain Time. Which that'd be which I was, 10, like, 10 o'clock. o'clock. And I was like, nope, I, I no, you cannot play in that bowl game no matter what. But uh, I, I think that was a typo because I looked elsewhere. It said 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Okay, so 8 o'clock. So 8 o'clock Central, yeah, yeah, which is a little better. That, that is better, yeah. Yeah, so I think that... Is probably the most likely right now. Of course, a lot can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bowl that I would want to most see them in, mm, 
Like realistically, I mean, obviously. Yeah, I mean, Pop Tarts. Like, That's not happening. Pop Tarts is still there potentially. That'd be cool. That'd be a cool bowl to be in. But I mean, I've I've said this before. It doesn't to me. It doesn't matter what bowl they're in. To be honest, I mean, I don't really care. <laughs> so any any of the bowls would be good. Uh, when you think about what bowl would what bowls would be best, maybe for KU fans that want to go go to the game. Phoenix is the guaranteed break bowl is probably number one, right? Because you met you you had mentioned me off air that uh, Phoenix is the third largest KU alum. Yeah, it's it's a city. big hub. It's like Dallas, Chicago, and Phoenix uh, in some order. Right? So that Dallas and be, Chicago are one and two, but yeah, so that'd probably be a good one. Uh, I would think that then the Texas Bowl would be the second best maybe for KU fans. Maybe an easier that's an easier flight or easier trip. Yeah, and that big base in Dallas. Yep, yep. So probably I think. I would say probably either Guaranteed Rate or Texas Bowl would be the ones that I would be most interested in. Pop Tarts Bowl would be fun just for the just because it's Pop Tarts Bowl. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not any other reason. I think it'd be cool. I don't want to go to buy Orlando, KU gear that has Pop Tarts on it. I would not want to go to Orlando though. So did be, you see the Pop Tarts Bowl thing though? That they're gonna it's they're an edible, an edible mascot? mascot. I did see that. Yeah, dude, that's incredible. Uh, but dude, so you that's kind of touchdown and bite the mascot. No, I think that's kind of messed up. No, I think it's awesome. I think it's messed Don't up. Don't overthink it. What are we teaching Don't our children? It. That it's okay to eat people? What is going on in this country? <laughs> I love it. It's okay to eat people? Yeah, I love it. No. I love it. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our uh, KU football takeaways. Let's get to some KU football and KU basketball audio coming up next. You're listening to RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.